There is no better place. It's time to talk. The only way to get anything done in Cork is to go on to the internet. Ah. <laughs> 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 that's, that's a Cork threat at this stage, I think. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters. Uh, unfortunately, all too often, news should be renamed bad news or sad news because there's so much of it. Uh, the murder investigation uh, into uh, trying to identify uh, the body, the skeleton remains found down on the main Middleton to Whitegate Road. Um, that's a murder investigation now. Uh, the reason I mention that is because Gardaí now have identified the remains as Kieran Quilligan, uh, reported missing last year. DNA samples from the deceased were taken uh, at post-mortem and then they were compared to samples given uh, by his family and that was a positive identification of Kieran Quilligan, the 47-year-old. So that's a front pager making the... I'm reading it from the Echo this morning. Mind you, the Echo carry it, the uh, Examiner carry it, and the Irish Times carries it as well. So more on that with uh, Barry Roach from the Irish Times in a few minutes' time. He'll also be, he'll also be talking about the um, beginning uh, of the case involving um, a, a man who has denied dangerous driving causing the death of the GEA broadcaster, Paddy Palmer, in Inishannon at Christmas time uh, of 2022. Um, but it would appear that allegedly he told friends on phone calls afterwards that he was involved in a serious incident, that he had consumed alcohol and that he had left the scene. I won't say any more about it than that for now because I will be returning to that. The trial opened before Judge Colin Daly is a jury of seven men and five women and it opened at Cork Circuit Criminal Court so clearly there'll be a lot of interest uh, from journalists following that one and we'll have some more on that in a few minutes time and, and you may and, and that's why I'm talking about sad news and bad news you might remember the teenager who drove a stolen car uh, faster than 170 kilometres an hour down the wrong way um, on the motorway near Mitchellstown now it caused the death of his teenage passenger serious injuries to others in the car and life-changing harm to the young Cork woman uh, who was driving the right way when the car crashed into her the wrong way. Um, it's very, very, very sad because um, she was uh, actually driving to Dublin Airport for a new life in Australia and had a powerful victim impact statement heard um, in court yesterday. That's uh, Liam Healan's copy from The Echo today. We'll come back to that story as well. And sadly, um, as I just heard, uh, Casey, there just uh, before he said goodbye at nine o'clock, asking people to slow down, for God's sake, slow down. I mean, you know, uh, some deaths and some accidents cannot be avoided with regards to, say, ro- you know, ro- you know, road conditions or faulty cars or something happening like that, or you know, somebody getting a heart attack or feeling ill at the end of the wheel. But a lot of them are just speed and just lack of concentration. Um, I, I, have no, I have no idea what was behind the death of D- Darrell Cuthbert, age 21, Kathy Graham, age 19, and Michael Kelly, age 25, but their deaths on the front page of The Independent this morning. In the prime of their lives, three families devastated after yet another horrific fatal crash up in County Carlow. Horrific and so, so traumatic. Apparently, the accident happened after the car lost control on a dangerous stretch of road, crashed into a tree caught fire and all died. It's awfully, awfully sad. Like the Red Tops this morning say three killed in crash horror. Pals lose their lives in one of the worst accidents the Gardaí say they have ever come across. There was another accident actually and Garda oppressors saying that the guards were appealing for witnesses to a collision down Yall Way, Upper Cork Hill in Yall uh, from yesterday. It's a collision involving a car and a male pedestrian. Happened around 20 past six last evening and a male pedestrian in his 60s 
It was then taken to Cork University Hospital for treatment for serious injuries. Uh, and the Gardaí are asking if anybody can help them with their inquiries on that one uh, to call one eight hundred treble six treble one. In other news this morning, a um, lot to do with payments to refugees, asylum seekers, but mostly centering on Ukrainian war refugees. So uh, the mail this morning has a bit of a splash and a bit of an exclusive because they're saying the Ukrainian refugees who are already living in Ireland are also in line for cuts to their social welfare payments by the summer. Now, the Taoiseach has refused to rule out cutting benefits for Ukrainians who are already here. I don't mean to overly confuse things, but for mid-February of this month, those coming in from Ukraine will get 38.80. But heretofore, those that are already here get 220 euro a week in welfare, medical card accommodation, things like that. But that's a, that could actually change uh, if we're to believe what's being talked about at Cabinet, that even those who are here already and receiving um, substantial benefits, medical cards and accommodation could also have those payments reduced uh, sometime between now and the summer. Like right now anyway, the star is telling us that the state is paying seven and a half million a month to house just under 10,000 Ukrainians who are living in people's homes. The way that works out at the moment is those that either offer a vacant vacant accommodation or those that host refugees in their own homes are given 800 euro a month so when you divvy it up it comes in at about seven and a half million uh, a month substantial amounts of money when you multiply that by year Rodrigo Gorman makes the papers they're doing an awful lot of navel gazing and speculating a cabinet these days aren't they because he's thinking that he would actually have a really open mind to create a new social welfare support payment for stay-at-home parents. Whereas a stay-at-home parent heretofore gets absolutely nothing and the only kind of help in any way, shape or form would be a children's allowance. But he says, I'd certainly examine with a very open mind any support that we can give to a parent or parents who are at home. I don't know if there's to be a stare- two stay-at-home parents or one parent who would stay at home. Of course, the model now of a parent in Ireland is, is, is grossly ch- is hugely changed now, very much changed. So if you were to say one parent goes to work, the other parent stays at home, that the parent staying at home rearing the children or indeed the stay-at-home parent would get a social welfare payment. So I think that some of this is actually tied in to the upcoming uh, referendum um, in March, which would have to do with uh, removing the reference in the Constitution to women's place in the home and replacing it with the recognition of care. So that recognition of care would then have a social welfare payment. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. I'm sorry about this, these, this, this, um, these alerts that go off my phone. I was given one of the Samsung smartwatches for Christmas and... <laughs> Somebody turn off the alerts on it because I actually don't know how to do it, but it's wrecking people's heads, I'd say. Actually, um, you see the story on English has in the examiner this morning. Um, this, the primary school, Gwelskull Ureda, has had to apologise to parents after a lay, a guest speaker at the school mass criticised divorce, um, used the term gender benders, and questions Ireland's choice of a non-binary artist to compete in the Eurovision. It's a story that makes the examiner front page today. The school now has come out and apologised to parents after the speaker said what supposedly they said, criticised divorce, used gender bender as a term with regards to our choice of Eurovision entry. 
criticised people who are non-binary. The principal has now requested a meeting with the Bishop of Cork to discuss the incident. A lot of people got very upset. Some walked out. It was supposed to be a a mass celebrating grandparents and their connection with grandchildren. Somebody actually, while they were walking out, shouted up at the speaker. um, What was the words that were used again? Mull on oiga. As in, you should be praising the young and then walked out. There was an awful lot of uh, upset, actually. Um, and, and the Board of Management are aware of it. The Principal, Brown Dawn O'Grailig, said, As you were aware, a person not associated with the school was given the opportunity to address the congregation uh, during Mass um, and uh, apologised for what was said. Uh, I don't know if anybody listening to me right now was at that. If you were, I would love to hear from you because I don't want to misrepresent anything. But it would be good to hear the whole story from perhaps somebody who was actually at that Mass and heard this person say what they did um, the school aren't speaking uh, we did request uh, some kind of comment from them this morning but they declined very sad news that um, uh, the, the very lovely Lisa Murphy died yesterday at the age of 51 uh, she was battling a long battle with, with cancer uh, and she makes the front page of many of the tabloids this morning you won't meet a nicer person she was just so kind she had a beautiful heart I was very fond of her and I was very sad to hear that she died yesterday and our thoughts with the family um, it's very sad it makes the front page of the paper this morning they're leading within the, in the sun and I know that the Six Nations are about to begin and tonight Ireland take on uh, the French but the front of this morning's English Times is saying and I quote the first couple of paragraphs in the front page story it says uh, two centuries after the birth of rugby on school playing fields academics are now saying that the game has become a form of child abuse and should be banned for anyone under the age of 18. They're saying children should no longer participate in high-impact sports such as rugby or boxing, uh, which should be considered abusive to children's brains. Uh, They also argue that schools do not seek informed consent from children who could suffer injuries that affect them in later life. The injuries, yes, brain injuries, neck injuries, spinal injuries... They would be the big ones. I don't know whether you would agree or disagree with that. I'd love to come back and chat with it a little bit later on, a little more, that rugby and boxing should be banned because it's a form of child abuse and nobody under the age of 18 should play it. Text 0868 104106. Call Neil now. 0818 104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I'm Barry Rhodes on the correspondent with the Irish Times. A very busy day from yesterday. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Uh, and, and I know that you are, or are bef- within the course, of course, uh, following one particular story. But do you mind if I just ask you for an update on, on what we now know to be the remains of, of Kieran Quilligan, uh, found down on the scrubland area of Middleton to Whitegate Road? Um, was it DNA ultimately then that was matched with samples from the family, I believe? Yeah, that's my understanding. I understand that um, he actually lost a lot of teeth, so dental records weren't a viable option in terms of... Um identifying him so they had taken a sample from a family member I understand and Dr. Bolster obviously post-mortem took samples they were sent off to Dublin on Tuesday and came back yesterday confirming that it was indeed Kieran Quilligan so it's a sad outcome but at least this was for his family they know no, they have something you know it closes a chapter for them because obviously they went five months not knowing and worrying and wondering and everything so at least they have that and I gather they actually visited the scene on Tuesday I think this is where his remains were found uh, in this gully uh, on the Whitegate to Middleton 
on Monday by a cadaver dog that was searching the area with the, its handlers and Would that have been a tip off do you think or, or what? I think there's a lot of good police work in this to be, good to be good well maybe it involves tip off but a lot of good police work involving a lot of examination CCTV and things like that yeah. um, and you know he disappeared um, on the 1st of September uh, when he uh, Gardy subsequently found CCTV footage of him walking up um, leaving the Simon Shelter on Anderson's Quay walking across the city centre up uh, Fringe's Quay Proby's Quay and then up St. Finbar's Place up the steps there before the cathedral and he doesn't emerge at the top under his own theme shall we say so that was the 1st of September he was saying Simon Simon reported him missing on the 4th of September and that was a missing persons investigation initially and about two weeks later then the detective branch were um, brought into the case even though it's been a missing persons investigation since then it has I understand been given all the resources of a murder inquiry so there was a lot of very dogged uh, and determined police work mm. um, in this since we'll say probably late September so that's whatever it is four months or something like that okay. and based on the Bridewell and um, you know sadly they have a lot of experience of um, murders that I mean there have been Cameron Blair and Paul Jones on uh, Barrick Street Bandon Road so and uh, Frankie Dunn well, Fra- well Frankie Dunn is probably Anglesey Street I'd say but you know oh, okay. Just, okay. Like, the, over the last few years in Cork I mean and I don't think Cork is a dangerous city but unfortunately um, there have been some violent deaths and Gary have built up a huge um residue of experience I suppose really in terms of this and you know investigation techniques have changed hugely I was just talking to somebody at the weekend about uh, going back to um, Sophie Tosk on the planter and how things have changed since then and you know you have an SIO a senior investigative officer is in charge of every investigation it's usually a detective inspector sometimes it can be a, a super but I mean there's a very definite structure now to investigations which I suspect wasn't always the case back then plus the other thing of course is the big huge or the huge changes there's so much more available to investigators in terms of technology mm. somebody was making the point to me that uh, you know all this um, controversy and uh, over who was following Sophie Tusk on the planter down the main street in Scotland Saturday there'd be no dispute about it now because they'd had CCD footage totally. all the way mm. following her down similarly phone uh, mobile phone evidence uh, digital records in terms of phone calls and things like that yeah. so things have changed a lot and obviously Gardy in this case have used CCTV footage to follow Kieran Quilligan from uh, the Simon Shelter and Anderson Ski all the way across the city centre okay. can trace him going up the steps but not coming out of his own under Okay, his own and that's what I just wanted to mention because that, that to me is kind of new information in your in the Irish Times this morning that the guards are satisfied that he was initially assaulted by a number of men in a property in St Finbar's place. I, I'm not sure. No, I, I'm not sure that this, it's property. I think it may have actually happened on the on steps. The street. I'm sorry. On, yeah, the, okay. on steps. And on the if, steps. If, you're, if you're down the bottom, you're looking up, you actually can't see all the way around the top because there's okay. a bend in it. And the other thing is, quarter past nine, I was just trying to figure this out in my own head, quarter past nine uh, in the first of September, are we, we're hitting dusk probably. Or is it dark? It's, it's tending towards it anyway. So, you know, it... It's, it's, not, it's clearly not as visible in broad daylight and how many people would be passing up there at Corpus 9 uh, okay. um, but they don't know as to evening. whether or not he died following that assault or whether there was a further assault in Little Island and then body dumped near Ostellan that, that yeah I, I'm not sure that they're the or, well the other side of this course is they're being remarkably tight lips so they may very well know from what I can gather I, I'm not clear sorry I don't think they're clear but I might be wrong on this that there may be a second assault or whether and was you know he was bundled into the boot of a car is my understanding at 4th Street and then down quickly enough to Little Island whether he was assaulted there but okay. my understanding is God he believed he was dumped there initially and then his body was transferred and of course, again down to, to uh, 
Rostel, where, from near Rostel, where we found that. And then just the final aspect on this is that th- th- there has to be a motive for this. Is there is there any indication of what that might have been? As I said, they're being very tight-lipped, but one of the lines of inquiry that they're following, and there's, they've taken, I think, statements from about 80 witnesses so far, uh, the incident room and the bridegroom that people there have, but one line of inquiry is that we know... Uh, was in and he was in court uh, back in June. He was talking about going on methadone treatment and uh, you know trying to deal with his addiction. And um, he was due to actually go to a methadone clinic. But one line of inquiry is that he may have fallen foul of some uh, heroin dealers in the city uh, after an incident where he, he may have um, uh, robbed a heroin dealer, and uh, that may have okay. proved uh, that may, may have been what prompted this. But that's only one line of inquiry. Okay. As I say, Gardaí are tight-lipped and. Uh, they're, they're not saying an awful lot officially, certainly, at any rate. OK, thank you for that. Um, and it does allow the family, and our thoughts are with the family, to now lay their ah, loved one to rest. I met his uncle down in Little Island at the end. They're just, you know, people are waiting and waiting and waiting. No. And you don't no. know, and then finally it's not good news, but at least it's, it's news. Um, there is more, of course, from the Cork courts, uh, the beginning of a court case. Um, this, is ra- this is a rather complicated one, isn't it? We, we certainly know that it led to the death of Paddy Palmer, the much-loved uh, sports broadcaster, lover of sports and, and family man, um, back in uh, Christmas of, of 2022. Can you, can you just bring us up, up, to, up to date on that one? Because um, there, there's a denial of dangerous driving causing death. But yet there is some phone evidence belonging to Bodan Bezversky that says he was communicating with friends that he had drink taken and, and, and left the scene of, of an accident. Is, is that right? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a case. It's a guy called Bodan Bezversky. Bezversky, he's uh, Ukrainian. I might just call him Bodan rather than the surname sure. because it's... Yeah. It's, it's easier pronounced, and I'm, I won't be doing him injustice. I, I hopefully, I'll get Bowden right as opposed to yeah. reverse. But he's a Ukrainian guy, and he's charged with dangerous driving, causing death of a body parameter. As you say, uh, he was in relation to a collision that happened on 29th of uh, December 2022. He's um, the background to it is uh, well, sorry, what happened uh, yesterday it was that the state's prosecution barrister Brendan Kelly gave an outline to the jury seven men and five women of what he says the state's case will be so it's not actually evidence we've heard yesterday or most of it wasn't evidence we heard but was an outline of what we're likely to hear and in his outline to the jury uh, at Cork Circuit Criminal Court before just uh, Judge uh, Colin Daly and the jury he said the jury would hear evidence that uh, Bowden was at Down's Centre shop at Cross Barry around 7.30am on the morning of the 29th and that he appeared to have a flat tyre on his grey BMW series he would say uh, he said the state would say that Bowden changed the tyre and drove away from Crossberry in the direction of Dunkirin crossing in the Shannon sometime later and at 9.49am he approached the crossroads from a more minor road coming from the west and he said the state would also make the case the jury or the jury would hear that there was a clear line of sight from a stop sign at the end of that junction uh, a stop sign and uh, a stop line in actual fact and that there was a clear line of sight from that stop sign back 150 metres to the north. The main road is running north-south. This uh, secondary road is coming on from the west. And he would say that Paddy Palmer, or the state will present evidence that Paddy Palmer was coming from the north along the major road and had the right of way when Bowden, the state alleges, pulled forward and collided with him. Uh, he said that they would hear evidence from witness that they heard the sounds of a car revving and a bang and they emerged from their house to discover uh, Mr. Palmer badly injured in his car. He was taken by ambulance 
very serious injuries and he died on the, the 8th of January and he said the jury would hear evidence of the post-mortem carried out by assistant state pathologist Dr Margot Bolster that Mr Palmer died from traumatic brain injuries spinal cord injuries and thoracic injuries uh, due to a road traffic collision the guard investigation began um, immediately and that led them to Bodan later that day he was arrested taken to the guard station where Mr Kelly said he admitted that he'd been involved in a collision and had left the scene of the incident and he said the jury would also hear that Gardy uh, seized his phone uh, and established that he had conversations with people he's from Ukraine Eastern Ukraine but he's a Russian speaker and he's actually being assisted in court with a, by a Russian interpreter but he said they would hear conversations he had or hear of conversations he had with people in, in Russian in which he admitted that he consumed alcohol and left the scene okay. and then before it finished up yesterday we heard from one of the witnesses Colette Crowley she was testified she was at home sitting in her kitchen that morning she heard more than a then she heard and then uh, a, more than a car racing down the road she said very high volume noise engine revving all of a sudden I heard a bang and she said there's another one because we've had a few crash, crashes at that cross before she said uh, she said she knew the Paddy Palmer he lived locally and she knew him to be a very safe driver I called him a driver like myself a granny driver I never saw him speeding a careful driver like myself she said now uh, Bowden is represented by uh, Shane Roach uh, senior counsel and he put it there that his client was adamant he was not speeding on the occasion and that there would not be that sort of high revving from the car which was an automatic car and Shane Roach Shane Roach said um, he was he said he was driving appropriately it's a space saver wheel because of the flat tyre that he, we heard of earlier a smaller spare that curtails your driving to some extent your ability to speed and so on he said he stopped at the white line he said he was struck and Mr Palmer veered over to the incorrect side of the road mm. and the evidence is that he body uh, Palmer was not wearing a seatbelt which was a lapse of safety and he said I don't wish to be critical of the man it's a very sensitive situation but there is one indication but there is one indication of a lapse of safety so the case uh, is there any plea is, though um, from Bowden Finally, I know we're covering an awful lot of grounds, but it was a very active day yesterday. Roisin Stackelum from Fromoy, on her way to Dublin yeah. Airport to go to Australia to, be, to begin a new life. Her life completely and utterly changed when she was involved in that horrific crash on the M8 at Mitchellstown. Um, that was before the courts yesterday because of her victim impact statement, wasn't it? Yeah, there's a, a juvenile there. We can't name him, obviously, because he's a juvenile. He's pleaded guilty to a number of charges, including dangerous driving, causing the death of a front seat passenger in his car, Johnny Foley. He's a young lad from uh, Sport Hill in Cork. But what we heard yesterday, was the, the, the listeners may remember, it was back in the 1st of July, early hours of the 1st of July, just before 1am. Car comes down the uh, MA the wrong way, uh, heading um, south on the northbound lane and collides with this car. Uh, Johnny Foley's front seat passenger in the car he's killed there are four other young people in the car the driver is up in court yesterday he's guilty and one of the the, the collision was with a car being driven by Rosine Stakem Stakem my apologies and she gave um, a victim impact statement yesterday it was just extraordinarily powerful really really I mean it's one of those moments that you wish everybody every youngster in the place could be sitting in the country could be listening to because it was just such a really impactful statement she outlined 
Lillian. She's works as a an occupational therapist here in Ireland. She had applied twenty year applying uh, for a visa and uh, getting a job in Australia. And she said herself that uh, the uh, Australian system of registration is really detailed. She used to get up in the morning, do these early interviews with them. She got us to the job, heading to Dublin Airport, one a.m. just before one a.m. and she's hit in this horrific crash. And she said, "I don't fully understand the meaning. I didn't. I don't think." I fully understood the meaning of pain until this experience, the physical pain and suffering I experienced in the aftermath of this crash were excruciating. In the immediate aftermath of the crash, I was in so much pain. I wish I'd died in the crash. She outlined the injury. She underwent eight hours of emergency surgery. She suffered numerous perforations to her small intestine and that threatened her life. She was obviously survived. She catalogued her other injuries. They included extensive trauma to her face, resulting in multiple fractures that required insertion of several titanium plates, a laceration that almost severed her lower lip. She talked about trying to hang on to it in the car. Her oh, lip was, but it was really loss of several teeth, multiple fractures in her left foot. She said, the first time I seen my face in a mirror after the surgery, my face was so damaged and swollen and bruised, I didn't recognize my own reflection. I thought I was somebody else. That was terrifying. I couldn't physically smile for months, and she still has issues in terms of being able to brush her teeth, smile. A remarkable woman, though. She, she gave, she outlined this in, I suppose she was in the witness box, maybe 10 minutes going through it, but really, really composed, really articulate. She said, I began my journey, again, she said, she spoke about, as I said, planning um, to move to Australia. I began my journey just after midnight on the morning of 1st of July, 2023. I never made it to the airport. I barely made it out of my Of course, he, there, were, there was a guard of pursuit. Yeah. There was a guard of pursuit. It was a stolen car, uh, I suppose I should have said earlier. Stolen in the city, uh, out in Glanworth, two days earlier. In Glanworth uh, himself, he attempts to steal another car. The owner of the second car there uh, spots them, alerts the guardie. So guardie attempt to intercept him in Glanworth. He does a U-turn, takes off at speed. There's about a 30 minutes then when the guardie loses him completely, and then they catch sight of him. Uh, coming on the Kildare Road roundabout outside Mitchellstown, he goes around two roundabouts the wrong way, and on the second one he goes off it onto the M8 southbound. So, so when he's on the M8, uh, on the w- what kind of speed is he supposed to be doing? He's uh, they've clocked him with a TII uh, transport uh, uh, infrastructure Ireland gauge has him doing 170 plus. He himself, what? I think told Gerdy he was doing topping 180, 190 times. Kilometres an hour? Good God. An hour. So he's gone down six kilometres uh, first of all and then about two kilometres after. That's to the point where the TII gauge or metre is there and then about two kilometres further on that's when the collision happens. But are there other cars uh, getting out of his way and he doing yeah, the five or six. Well it's one in the morning I suppose uh, but there's still five or six cars that have to avoid him. He tells Gardy, you know, he's made admissions to everything, but he tells Gardy he's, he's the, he thinks he's driving the hard shoulder, but it looks like he's driving on the slower lane, um, not the overtaking lane, but when you're coming up, he's driving down on the 
the slow lane for correct traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but he's going the wrong way. Gardy, don't pursue him down there. My understanding is that they actually followed him down the one guard of car, followed him down the southbound lane, opposite him. But they obviously saw the witness the crash and um, uh, Johnny Johnny Foley, the front seat passenger, serious injuries. And in my recollection is, I think he was prone state at the scene. There oh were God. three other young people in the car with the driver. Uh, one of those lads is. Uh, was in hospital for quite a severe spine okay. problems. He's been in hospital for a while and he's now outward using a wheelchair. It's hoped that he'll make a he'll be able to dispense with the use of wheelchair. The other two one was more in hospital for a few weeks and for a few days and then the third person I don't think was that badly injured in it, but horrific crash. As I say, it's a sort of court case that if it was if there were cameras there and people could see what Victim impact Yeah, absolutely. And just finally on this now, because um, obviously there's a, there's a defence counsel, um, and there were reports issued to to the judge regarding um, is 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 gone into care at the age of fifteen, I believe. Yeah, but really a trouble, a troubled background. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds a really horrific background. A very violent father, uh, and his mother suffered from addiction issues, um, and I don't think there's any understating how awful. We, we can't imagine the upbringing there. I mean, we went that, you know, so we only heard that we didn't hear the half of it. But he went to the care at 15. He's been in Oberstone since uh, he was arrested and charged in this, and he's doing well there. He's completed a course in victim empathy. He's pleaded guilty to all the charges, no contest, no dispute over anything like that. And Jane Ireland, his counsel, she pleaded for leniency on the basis, first of all, his youth. He's he was 16 in this, now 17. His remorse, and she said his guilty pleas to all charges are a reflection of his remorse. Judge Boyle, Helen Boyle, she paid tribute to mistake him for um, her courage in delivering such a powerful and eloquent victim impact statement. And then she thanked Jane Hoyland for the report. She said she'd study those, and it's been adjourned for uh, the 12th of February to give her an opportunity to read the reports. So we'll see what happens. Then. Would there be the sentencing on the 12th of February? There could well be, but just, just uh, it should be said as well that uh, the penalty for dangerous driving causing death is 10 years but if you're a juvenile the penalty is only half that so the maximum available to her by way of penalty is 5 years and then the other charges dangerous driving causing bodily harm and endangerment um, the endangerment is 7 years so uh, half those it's, it's, it's 5 years is the maximum that's uh, available to Judge Boyle to uh, uh, impose in this case OK Barry thank you so much a million thanks to you have, have a, a great weekend Barry Road Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times usually we would cover one report with Barry Roach on this programme this morning rightly so because they're all so important we covered three um, the Southern Star is reporting this morning uh, that friends and colleagues of the late Paddy Palmer gathered in the new building at St. Brogan's College um, this would have been I'm, I'm open to question but I've just been handed this I'm assuming this was last evening um, to remember him and honour his memory with a plaque dedication. They put up a plaque to the late Paddy Palmer. His wife Colette and daughter Emily unveiled the plaque. According to the Southern Star, there were great yarns told about Paddy, much to the delight of those in attendance. And indeed, a match in his memory will take place in Brinney on Sunday, February 25th at 2 o'clock between his native club, Temple No and Valley Rovers. And organisers hope this can become a Paddy Palmer annual event. Text 0868104106. Call Neil now. 0818104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM.
Text 0868-104-106. Just staying with the story on the late um, Kieran Quilligan. Uh, his uh, remains, of course, identified yesterday uh, by DNA. He led a troubled life. Unfortunately, we hear all too often of people leading troubled lives who are also in the throes of heroin addiction. Hazel Dennehy works with Street Angels on a regular basis on the streets of Cork and meets many, many, many people going through the, thro- the, thro- the throes of trauma. If you like, Hazel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Um, did you know uh, the late um, Kieran Quilligan? Yeah, I did. Um, he he was one of my long term friends. Put it like that. Yeah. He, you know, he was a lovely guy, mixed up with bits of everything, and he tried so many times to get, you know. Life in order, and he would try. He would try and kick the gear, and possibly would yes. manage for periods of time. Is it? Yes, and he he was clean for a good while there at one point, and he asked. He said he'd love to be able to volunteer, oh. and I I'll give any of the guys as I have done in the past. I just say, lad, no problem. You turn up clean, you know, not drunk or high, and I'd be delighted for you to help, you know. I think that's an excellent point, actually, that you have somebody who may have an addiction themselves but has not lost a social conscience and still wants to help, you know, to be proactive and to do something of value. Yes. And um, and and he he did for a good few weeks. He helped us out, and um, he'd always come to us, you know. And his partner Colette, we know very well as well. And I just want to give my sincere condolences to Colette and all his family because I know a lot of them. And so they're, um, heartbroken. It's just they're heartbroken. At least at least now they can lay their loved but one to rest. It yes, this I know. It's closure for the family and now they can pull him to rest and then start the grieving process and I know, I know. Do you do you do you come across many um, and, and I don't know, I'm only assuming that maybe there were times when Kieran would have been staying in the Simon, maybe using the hostel there to, to lay his head down and perhaps other times maybe, yeah, maybe not. I, I remember at one point I met, he was in we were put him up in Oscar's hostel as mm. well, mm. and and you know I don't know I'm just dumbfounded you mm. know. Um, there's there's not much we can say because obviously there's a, an active investigation, but there you yeah. know, a lot of the time, right. unfortunately, people who have addictions like this have to fund the addiction. Criminal gangs then provide yeah. the heroin. Yeah. And they could yeah. they they all too often do they all too often fall foul of criminal gangs who they might owe money to. Yeah, they do. They you see a lot of them, you know, owing and just asking, you know, till the next payday, and then they'd be waiting to give them their money. You know, once they collect it from the post office and that, and um, but I, you know, I have a few good success stories where sent him into treatment you know but if you can save one life out of a hundred isn't it one life and like I said no matter what 
how they get there, there's somebody's son. Yeah. There's somebody's brother. Yeah. You Very know, sad. and, and, yeah, it's just so hard, you know. I'm doing it so long now, you know. <laughs> In fairness, he, he was on he was on he was on methadone treatment programs in the past, so he was a trier. He was. He he genuinely did. I I honestly, from my heart, say he actually tried to turn his life around. Yeah. But temptation, you know, is all around him. Totally. And well, in a ca- totally with the with the chaotic life, like those who live in our streets are a veil yeah. of. A volunteer um, shelter spending most of their times on the streets. And then they're kicked out at seven in the morning and they're not allowed back in till half eleven at night. And like, what do they do? Yeah. You know, I can feel their pain that I can feel why they turn to drugs and drink. It's hard to stay clean is what you're saying, isn't it? Yes, it's very hard when they haven't, like they should be a centre there. I would love to get involved with opening a centre during the day just to let them show because there's so much potential in a lot of them and I try to see that Mm. and I try to explain that to them. When I go up to the prisons, I say, look, will you try and change when you get out? And they do, they genuinely want to, but... They're back on the streets then when they get out after a few weeks and they're back to the same roundabout again. And is it, it's, is it getting worse rather than better? It's getting a lot, lot worse. We're getting more and more people um, to our Monday nights. Um, the, do you know, it, and it's younger they're getting and I still get mothers coming down with their children. Oh, that breaks my heart. And I try to get as much as I can for the mother because I don't want the kids around. And why would... I mean, I, I don't want to know anybody's personal story, but you are you saying you would have young mothers with babies and buggies young coming? Young mothers coming. One particular woman has come two, three weeks in a row with her three kids um, looking for lunches and things like that. And and is she, why is she not in a position to to, to provide herself? I'm curious. Uh, because she says that um, they're in an emergency accommodation. Yeah. And she's on her own trying to rear the three kids. So. Oh, yeah, so, so those I that you help... Like to, so those that no, you help... Sorry, go on. I don't like to... Um, ask too many questions because I don't want her feeling uncomfortable. But it's so no the, point, the only point I'm going to make before I let you go is that it, so those that you would help wouldn't necessarily have any addiction issues but need help all the same. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. you know well, I haven't seen this lady and there's another lady now in a tent and um, some members of my team now moved her to a more secluded spot and she's over 50, but she's a lovely lady. Um, she's alone in the tent? Day. That sounds quite vulnerable. Alone in the tent, yeah. Um, she's from Belfast. And uh, if you don't mind me saying this, it makes my blood boil that the APS are there, that they're specifically made there to help homeless. And why aren't all the councillors fighting 
why should it matter what part of the country or the world you're from? If you're in a particular town and you're homeless, they're there to help the homeless. But because you're not from Cork, you might be from Kerry, you might be from Belfast, they won't help you. So the accommodation placement service will just say, go back to Sligo, go back to Belfast. Exactly. And I go in just for accountability with these people into the uh, APS. And they say, oh, we can't do nothing for you. Mm -hmm. And why can't they change the system? It should not matter where they're from. They should be looked after because they wouldn't be in that job only for these people. But if there's not enough places for people... um Maybe they're trying to discourage others from different parts of the country coming down here, putting pressure on an already overstretched service. Yes, okay, but they 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 don't just leave a place. They might own deck. Their lives can be in danger if they stay. I know a few of them that the guards actually told them to leave, leave. the county yeah. Yeah. for the sake of their lives because they're in so much debt due to whatever reason, you know? Uh, Still and all, we're a great nation and we try to help everyone. We bring in our foreigners and all of that and they can help them. So why can't they help our own, our own Irish? But I'm I'm sure you also have people who aren't Irish by birth coming to you uh, and other of the... I do. We do. We, do. Service we have provi- all sorts and we never turn anyone away. Yeah. We, okay. don't, it, it, we just don't judge. You know, it, people... I can't see anyone just lining up to get fed for the sake of it, mm. you know, unless they needed it. Mm, I know, I know. Yeah. Okay, listen, well. thanks for catching up with me this morning. I do appreciate it, Hazel, as always, and also mm-hmm. the incredible work that you do, Hazel Dennehy, uh, with uh, Street Angels. Text 0868104106 after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Yes, indeed. Um, and of course, all too often we're hearing about awful death on our roads. Uh, and it's very, very sad. And I know I've mentioned it in the past that a lot of it has to do with driver error, lack of concentration, messing with phones, uh, speeding, driving too close to cars in front and what have you. Um, vulnerable people like Kieran Culligan will continue to be preyed upon, Neil, while the supply of drugs is controlled by violent criminal gangs. The only way to reduce situations like this is to control and regulate the supply of all drugs. The Citizens' Assembly has indicated this. We need to reform our drug laws, and so did a joint justice committee that published its report in 2022. The political will is just not there to do this, and people are suffering and dying as a result. It's um, It's a... It's a high barrier to cross, though, isn't it, to say, okay, we are now going to legalise but control and supply from a statutory body heroin to people. You see, it's it's very... That's a bitter pill to swallow, I think. Uh, Can I also just mention, and going back to the victim impact statement of Roisin Stakelam, in my conversation with Barry Roach, I I did notice that part of her very powerful victim impact statement that left her with dreadful trauma and injuries 
and she heading off to Dublin to start her new life in Australia. But in part of the victim impact statement, she says she told how she was deeply affected to learn that 16-year-old Johnny Foley, who was a passenger in the car that crashed into her, had died in the collision. And that realisation continues to haunt her as she revealed that my heart goes out to his family and his loved ones who grieve his loss. She goes on to say the loss of a young life is an immense tragedy and I cannot help but feel a profound sense of sorrow for the untimely passing of this young person. The weight of this tragedy serves as a reminder how fragile life is and the irreversible impact car crashes can have on the lives of those involved. And I think that's very powerful. I think it's um, very commendable of her that even considering that when she went, what she went through, she was still thinking of others, including uh, Johnny Foley, uh, the 16-year-old front seat passenger whose life was lost in that collision. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 and we'll pick it up after 10. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Can I mention... Conversation that matters. Today is National Frank Day. So I'm wondering, does that also cover Frankie's and also Francis's? But it's certainly National Frank Day today, so if there's a Frank in your life, wish them well, do something kind for them. And if you are a Frank, or a Frankie, or maybe even a Francis, enjoy your very special day. They come up with all sorts of strange ones. Why Frank? I mean, will tomorrow be Kevin? Will Sunday be Seamus? Will Monday be Neil? I doubt it somehow. Anyway, a lot of texts coming in on different topics. Text 0868104106. I mentioned that story from this um, this primary school. Uh, the the actual individual who stood up and said what supposedly they said up said said, including criticising divorce, using the term gender bender when it came to the choice of Ireland's Eurovision entry, a non-binary artist. We don't know who that individual was. The individual hasn't been named. It's caused an awful lot of upset. And apparently one parent said it ruined an otherwise lovely evening. Some people actually walked out of the actual meeting itself, criticising homosexuality um, and divorce and what have you. So, um, interesting because... uh, we spoke with Bambi Thug on the air yesterday uh, on the Eurovision talk, Neil, after this show. I've just realised that the whole world has gone mad. I personally don't like the song, but this is Ireland's entry and we should all get behind it now and support it. It might not be for everyone, but it's an Irish act and the fact that it has generated such interest is a win in itself. So drive on, Bambi. Although the texter says Bambi girl, which of course would be incorrect. Um, so do us proud. If you have the support of someone who doesn't even like the song, then I hope they have a great chance. Because there's even people who don't like it are still supporting it because it could actually win. I was in Malmo in the 90s. The one that uh, Linda Martin won Eurovision with Why Me, written by Johnny Logan. Ireland and Sweden are now neck and neck with seven wins each. All of the songs that won Eurovision for Ireland all won the Castle Bar Song Contest. Maybe we should go back to choosing Eurovision songs that way, says Paddy. Different times, my friend, and everything's changed in that regard. So not so sure that that would make sense. It's a very different song. I don't see that audio, Seamus. Seamus did some audio for me uh, this morning, giving us a look back at all of Ireland's Eurovision winners. Seven, I believe, we had. We're neck and neck now with the Swedes. And also, um, today, uh, well, I think it might have been yesterday, the return policy... Uh, for cans and plastic came into effect, Neil. So I paid an extra €1.20 for eight cans which do not have the return symbol on them. 
so I cannot return them. These cans have been sitting in a warehouse for six months and it'll be another six months before these symbols will hit the shops. My question is, where is that money gone? That one euro twenty that I can't get back. So thank you for that one. Uh, to uh, Neil at uh, redfm.ie. Uh, a lot then on um, the Eurovision Song Contest and my conversation yesterday with Bambi Thug. I'm 110% behind Bambi Thug and I think uh, that they are the key to Ireland's Eurovision renaissance. People need to remember it was not chosen to become a radio hit. It's for a contest. It needs to be extremely memorable and like Eurovision, it has to make a statement. Anyone that doesn't think this really needs, anyone that doesn't think this really needs to move on, please, from the 1990s. Because Ireland is a different country, Eurovision a different contest. This is 100% what we need. Just one or two more. I want to text in to congratulate uh, Bambi Thug uh, on what has become across, who has come across so well and seems like a lovely, kind person with a really nice heart. That's following my conversation with Bambi Thug on air yesterday. Um, for once in the past number of years, I really hope that song doesn't go through to the Eurovision final and win it, as well as anyone I've been talking to. We think it's an absolute disgrace that it has gone on to represent us. Maybe, Neil, you are just too afraid to say anything against gender or lack of whatever they're supposed to be in case of the backlash. No, I'm not. not afraid of any of those things. I actually like the song. Well, my knowledge of your vision is quite limited, except that it's a kind of a competition, actually, that needs a song like Bambi Thug because um, it's... Firstly, it's it's it, it, it. Firstly, I think Eurovision now is about the shock factor, the awe factor, the stage presence, the 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 set, the individual, the costume, and then the song. So I think it's a it's 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 not ju- songs on their own now just don't win on their own. We did in the past uh, with 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 these seven, but have a listen to the types that there were. No disrespect to them; they're all humdingers. for Ireland actually listen to that audio I actually forgot how powerful a voice Niamh Kavanagh has and had for that Eurovision win just a final word on this ahead of the outbreak I'm absolutely I was in the stitches listening to the show and Neil playing along with the they them nonsense it's embarrassing having this song in Eurovision I don't think we can actually sink any lower uh, a witch uh, from a bemused listener P.S. Uh, says John P.S. Neil cop on to yourself um, playing along with all of the they, them nonsense. Um, I love when people have opinions. I don't necessarily always agree with them, but that's what this is all about, your conversations. So get involved. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Natasha, good morning. 
Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking the call. I know you got in touch because initially Richie said he witnessed, and this was a text, he says, I witnessed um, three teenagers attacking a kid in a school uniform and an elderly lady, this is inside in town incidentally, an elderly lady in her 70s ran in to break up the attack. She was very brave and unbelievably uh, courageous, but one of them turned and attacked her as well. Well, the lad that was attacked by these three thugs, thugs was your son, right? Yes, that's right. He was in his school uniform and probably going home. Was he Was he with a couple of pals, was it? They would initially have been five or six of them walking down from school and himself and his friend just stopped at centre. Um, so there was two of them when the attack happened. About what, four o'clock in the afternoon? It was quarter to four, actually, and yeah. What's your understanding from your son as to exactly what happened? Um, they were walking, just walking down toward the Imperial where they would be um, meet to be collected and when they got to the top of Winthrop Street there seemed to be a row of lads. They kind of knew better than to to go down. They they did feel uncomfortable and they started walking towards the girls at which point the boys came after them and started harassing them. Uh, did your son say, you know, how they were harassing them, what they said or what they did? They were trying to, um, I think they were They were trying to get them to kneel down. I think the, the point may have been to try and get a video from them. To get a video? Yeah, I think they were I think they were, they were going to try and record them. Kneeling down? Yeah. Is this one of the pranks that they get up to, is it? I have no idea, to be honest. So what happened that it led to him being hurt then? They, he, he walked away, that was it. They, they just didn't engage and they turned their head and they had a phone charger and they, they hit my son with the phone charger. Into the head? Yeah. And drew blood? Yes. Well, it was observed by other people. Amongst them... It was, and, uh, and elderly... the boys did comment that the people around did, did help and intervene. OK. Amongst them was an elderly lady who supposedly also, and I'm quoting Richie here, saying, was they turned on her. Yeah, I mean, we actually weren't aware of that. I think the boys probably didn't see everything that went on because obviously there was... Um, Lots of people around, but we would like to thank that lady for intervening. You must. Have, were you picking him up then, or, or what? I was. Yeah, I was on the way to collect him. Did you get a shock? I did, but I mean, lucky enough, his dad actually works in town, so he was able to go straight to him. And um, I mean, there's no option of ringing Anglesey Street because they don't answer. I mean, we did try. My husband was back in town afterwards because my dad um, already in a helmet with him, and we went back in to find those. I mean, the people in McDonald's seemed to know about the gang of boys who were around, as did the people in the ice cream parlour and the other shops around but there was absolutely no police presence yeah none on the street are you saying when you did you ring Anglesey Street and it rang out or? we did oh, uh, we didn't initially we just wanted to get to our son first yeah, and no, I suppose no. we were in a position to get to him because of being near the city uh, but we did afterwards yeah later on Tuesday evening and the guards did call to our own house and they were very helpful they had said that they would try and get the CCTV but you know, again, they said that they'd have to be 15 offences against the particular person. 15 offences against the juvenile before yeah. it could be taken seriously. That is bizarre. That's my understanding of it, yeah. Oh my God, that's bizarre. And your son would have to identify him? Well, I, I would assume so. Again, we didn't, I, like that kind of wasn't the whole reason that we went, the, the whole reason we reported it was that, you know, we were told if, if you know, if we don't report stuff to the guys, then how do they know what's going on? I know, I know. You know, and I think that there is, I think, had my son not been struck, I don't know if we'd be having this conversation. It's the fact that it went as far as the fact that he got a cut. Assault. You know, whereas I think what is happening is that stuff is happening, but it's not being fully carried through. Understandably, I probably wouldn't have done it either. You know, had he just been harassed and come home and told me the story, but the fact that people had to intervene and he had an injury. Made it much more serious. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Okay.
I mean, I have to say, it's an awful shame, but my understanding of it is that Winthrop Street is a bit of a no-go area at the best of times. It is, but I mean, it's the thoroughfare down onto... I mean, I would consider it a safe enough part of town, especially at that time of the day. I mean, it wasn't dark. It was in the middle of a school time. Yeah, middle of the afternoon. And do, do, yeah, they, do, they, tend, do they tend to target lads in uniform? We haven't had any experience of it so far, but my son is only in first year. Okay, but was he always... Was he on alert when he went through town? Shouldn't have to be, but I'm wondering whether he was or not. I would, I've always told him to keep his phone away and that kind of stuff, yeah. I mean, he, he, I, I can't say that he would be nervous, but I mean, you know, I, I would tell him to be careful. Okay. You'd like these characters caught, I suppose, would you? Um, I, I, I don't know if it's down to the one instance. I mean, I think it's the fact that, you know, kids are now feeling unsafe to walk through town in school hours. I mean, this wasn't late in the evening. No, they hadn't been hanging around town. This was, they were literally walking from school to a, to a collection. And minding their own business. And this was exactly. this was a few days ago. And then are you saying that the following day apparently there was, there was another, another... Apparently there was something else yesterday, not uh, to, to somebody else that's known to us. Yeah, I think a lot of stories have come to me since, since it happened to us, but stuff isn't necessarily being reported. I can guarantee you that following this conversation, I'll get other calls or texts from people who are reporting it and have been in the past as well. I mean, sometimes yeah. they're looking for money. Sometimes they're looking to steal somebody's phone or their hat or if they've got nice gear on. You know what I mean? It's like... It's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, they, they, didn't, they didn't seem to be wanting of that, but they, I mean, it, they, were, they were definitely harassing people. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a worry for kids trying to go home safely and it's a big worry for their parents who are never 100% sure if they're safe. Well, this is it. I mean, I, I mean, the city is just, you know, becoming an unsafe space and that's not acceptable in this day and age. I mean, how, how are kids supposed to get home from school? Yeah, they should you know, be able to enjoy. They should be able to enjoy, like be able enjoy going through town. Well, I mean, aside from that, I mean, I'm sure, like, you know, that particular part of town at that time of day will get a lot of older people waiting for buses and people in and out of town, I mean... It's crazy, really. Well, that elderly lady, I'm sure, was shook as well. She was unbelievably brave and courageous to intervene like she did. You just wanted, yes, to, say you, you wanted to say a few thank yous, did you? Yeah, uh, just um, to that lady, obviously, for, um, for stepping in, as I say, up until yesterday, we actually weren't aware of that. And there was also another lady who stayed with my son while he was on the phone to me, and she wouldn't leave him walk Windsor Street on his own, so she brought him down to the Imperial to uh, make sure that he was safe down there. That's so kind. And she was a, a younger, or another lady, with, uh, she had some children yeah. with her. Yeah, you saw both sides of society, actually, the kind and also the thuggery, these um Yeah, these and even moments. everybody in the shops, I mean, the gentleman, the a security guard in McDonald's was very helpful to my husband when he went back down and he said he had seen around the place. But again, it's just not being reported because there's nothing happening. And maybe a bit more guard of presence, boots on the ground might make a difference? I would hope so. Yeah, well, I think it would certainly make a big difference. Yeah. You know, it really would. All right, well, listen, um, I'm glad that your son is okay. He's probably shook. It wasn't a bad cut, was it? Uh, no, it was just a, but it was a cut nonetheless, I suppose. It was okay. just the, the experience of it. And he'll be on alert and caution in the future. Okay. Nice yes, one. I think unfortunately everybody else needs to be as well. Yeah, Natasha, thank you so much for taking the call. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Natalia. No, clearly I didn't. Uh, clearly, I'm not identifying the lad, and clearly I am not identifying the school nor the school uniform. There are a lot of different schools that people go to when they're in and out of town or what have you, wearing their uniforms. Um, so I'm not going to go there. But I- interestingly, you would have been. Um, you don't mind me mentioning your your school, do you? No, okay. no. So you would have been a Christian's secondary school kid, correct? Um, so that involved you having to travel from Christian's super school. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. 
nothing but respect for the school. Right across the city, down to Blackrock and Bowmount. Yeah. Okay, so involved buses and what have you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it kind of starts more kind of with primary school and it was grief from primary school. It was just a bad kind of group in primary school and I got a very bad time of it. I ended up switching school in primary school. I've never said this on air, but here we are. Um, and, bullying? Um, yeah, bullying, yeah. And actually, it kind of started with a guy before me. He left, then I got it, then I left, then a guy after me got it. It was just a Same really, individual? Same individuals. It was kind of a group and they all kind of... They were all, it was just, it was just, you know, when you just get a bad, it's just a bad energy amongst a certain group and individually not necessarily bad, but when they come together, it just disaster so in that kind of way. going to school in the morning was a traumatic thing then? <laughs> well, when I got into secondary school, it was all right, but I remember, actually one of my very strong memories is City winning the league in 2005 and being elated and then coming home from the match on the Friday night and thinking, oh, I have to go back in school Monday. And that was that kind of ruined. It was almost like you know, it ruins the high, childhood. Ruins it. it. I remember yeah. Sunday nights were terrible. It very. It, you know what? Like as people probably know, I'm a loudmouth. Didn't help myself. You know, was very not afraid to speak my own mind. Youngest of a very elderly, you know, not a, but youngest by quite a bit of a family. So well able to speak up for myself, yeah, and that yeah. didn't help. Yeah. Like you know, um, but yeah, very. I got a very bad time. So. Then there was a kind of that group were still in the area, even though I had moved into town to go to Christians. So I was coming home from school, and I say I would have been around the same age as Natasha's young guy, um, coming home in the in my uniform off the bus, and a group of them, which I kind of recognised, half recognised, were walking down the street back towards me, and um, he. Um, they, I was kind of put my head down, I put my hands in my pocket, kind of have my hands out of my pockets, but kind of down, and kind of you know to say, let me get through this, let now, me get let through me get this, through got my head now. down, and one of them said, "Do I know you?" And I kind of said, I just kept my head down, didn't make any eye contact. I said, no, I don't think so. And all of a sudden there was a branch, some branch of a tree or something came up kind of like an undercut and smacked me on the nose. So I was kind of disorientated at that point because, you know, you're kind of waiting for it to happen. But then, you know, I was expecting like a puck or somebody, a push or something, but I wasn't expecting a branch of a tree. So I was kind of knocked and kind of dazed. And then there was just a flurry of punches and kicks or whatever. And then I got pushed. A group of them descended. group of them. And I'd say they were all a good three or four years older than I was, even at that point. How many of them? I'd say maybe five or six. Oh, well, five or six of them punching and kicking? Yeah, just all you of them kind of getting me. stuck in. Yeah, And like I didn't know really know these guys that much, only for the fact that I knew they were older than me in school and that I'd had issues in school. But like I didn't, I wouldn't say that I'd, if I'd saw them personally, I'd have any like personal issue with them. None, but none, I none. think maybe it's, they, a, it's, a, it's a herd mentality. Yeah. yeah where they prey on totally. Five or six can easily to- prey on one. Totally, yeah. That's what it was. So what happened? Next, what ended up happening was I was kind of shoved around, and all of a sudden I got shoved, and I felt like I was I was on the road, and there was somebody blaring the horn, and um, the car kind of went down the road, and I, they basically pushed me. They pushed me out in front of a moving car, um, trying to get me knocked down by the car, and um, and I saw the car, and I kind of recognised it, and it turns out the person driving the car was actually very good friends with my mom. So she came back and she was like, what were you doing? Do you, do you know you're going to get yourself killed or whatever? And I was like, I was trying to hold it together. But when she started giving out to me, then there was some floods of tears. And then she realised that it actually I wasn't, it wasn't jokes. It wasn't bad. Oh, they had gone. Yeah, they had gone. Yeah, they were, they were down was the road. Was that the end of it? Like, there's nothing more you can do about something? Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, and, and there's a certain amount of stuff I think you have to, you know, when you're younger and, and it's tough and you do chalk it down. But like, 
uh, being pushed out in front of a car is something I never well, really that, that's you know, something like, but that's, being attacked as well and beaten and kicked and punched by five guys yeah tell me did you ever meet them subsequently in later life I've seen I've seen I see them I still see them around the place and um, like you know I don't want to kind of there's a certain amount of them are still hanging around doing what they were doing when they were still 14 you know that kind of way like the rest of us have moved on with their li- our lives and you know and like as I would say there was in the original group of school individually if I saw them would I talk to them yeah like I would you know like you can't be holding grudges for the rest of your life but that group were o- an older group and they were like I remember one day in primary school being caught by two guys who were two years older than me in school and I had my hands pinned behind my back so that one of them could just start Kind of laying into and you think that, well, that that's clearly still going on today? It look well. I mean, from what we've heard from Why Natasha, that sounds exactly like what's going on. You know, and I know that Mick was Mick Finn, the councillor yesterday, was talking about organised fighting. That that was very much a thing in my day as well. Organising fights and Facebook Messenger and fellas bringing phones out and recording them. But like, there's an awful lot of kids out there and um, who. Like don't really have somebody to stand up for them. I'm in school very, they very just bothered become, from behalf of the victims. Yeah, you know, it's really just, am. and it's something that, like, as I as I say to people inside here, or I often say to people when I talk about this, this is why I'm so stubborn and so headstrong because mm. when you deal with that, you have to like. I remember you I have to put up a defence mechanism well, I, re- I remember being in college and being in the brogue and somebody um, hitting on the girlfriend that I had at the time and it was all kind of you know I was going over to give your man to kind of to tell him what for and I remember him turning up and squaring up to me and a pal of mine um, in school who I'm still friends with standing next to me and saying if you if you want to deal with him you have to deal with me and that was the first time in my life I ever remember st- somebody standing up for me and having my back yeah. in a physical because it never happened in school because yeah. oh, you can understand it too you know what I mean people nobody had your back in school were teachers aware of it or um, I don't know I think teachers are a certain amount aware of it but I think you know when they see trouble it's hard for them to identify who's really the trouble who's causing it mm. how much you know so it's just like okay. they just see ultimately what they see is two lads having a fight you know and they don't realise what led up to that and it took me it took me a while to kind of like because I had to stand up for myself it took me a while to get and Christians were very good and as you say is a very good school they were um, unbelievable that way mm. because coming into secondary school having to learn to like you know not necessarily having to mm. take the fists out all the time it took, or be alert or be on your guard 100% anymore. Yeah. it took a while you know but I just I'll never that was I was a particularly uh, particularly bad one and again from guys that I barely knew like it was essentially unprovoked you know, it's one thing if, if a guy's starting you and you kind of give it back. Is it the uniform is the attraction or, or what? I don't know, maybe. Maybe maybe it was to, maybe it was the private school. Maybe, I don't know what it was. But I definitely know that it was, they, they knew who I was and I was on my own and there was six of them there. It was a pretty easy opportunity, okay. you know. I appreciate you opening up and, and sharing that in fairness. Not an easy thing to do. I'm quite sure that others listening actually could, could possibly relate to that. Do get in touch if so. Uh, pick up the phone on 0818 You can always, uh, if you want to share a story that don't wish to come on air, uh, I'm always available to, um, you know, read out emails. Neil at uh, redfm.ie. Calls on the way. The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Appreciate you taking the call, Sean. Good morning. Um, I, Good morning. I, 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 know, I think I, I know the area you're describing, actually. So it would be the top of the Well Road where it breaks into two uh, lanes at the traffic lights, yeah? 
That's it, yeah. It's in the middle of this road where you went off left to go to the Well Road and you go straight on then to go to Douglas Village. That's it, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah but you know, Neil, I'm very disturbed by it, and let's be honest. Half past two uh, yeah, a, week, a yeah. weekday, yeah. At the weekend, at the weekend. weekend. What you, know? you see, what you see, what you see. Yeah, like I was in the inside lane, not to go to the well road, to go straight on, you know, during the outside lane then, it goes into Douglas Village itself, so I was going over to, to Duns. But I just saw a bus, the bus was parked on my right-hand side, heading into town. Then there was a car in front of it, which was about maybe 15 metres away from it, and I see this guy walking back to the bus, you just looked at him and that's he got it. out of the car you're saying is it? he got out he got out of the car okay, okay. car was parked no flashes or anything on it and things like that right and went back to the bus to the driver's side of the bus and knocked at the window and eventually the bus driver I didn't know if it was a lady or a man driver and it was because I was at an angle to it and obviously there was some talk whatever they were talking about how it was how about the weather but just all of a sudden this only lasted a number of seconds. Just after suddenly, his right hand, he just punched him through your man, through, through the person. And I said, look, I can't hack this at all. He threw a so punch in the window of the driver's window of the bus. Of the driver's window, it slides sideways. It does. So he, he spoke to the person in there, knowing after that it was the guy that was in it. And I said, look, I can't hack this at all. I put on my flashers, pulled in, you know, left got out of the car, ran across the road. Your man, at this stage, had left the bus, went back to his car, and bang, gone, just disappeared. Did he run back to his car? And, walk back oh, to his car? Oh, he ran back to his car, yeah, he ran back to his car, got into his car, and uh, drove on at speed. And I went over, and I couldn't believe what I saw. He, he was totally, the driver was totally distraught. He was shaking. He was shaking. And I said, look, I witnessed this, and I'm prepared to help you in every way possible but first thing you have to do is try, try relax maybe bring a, the bus to, and someone to come off you because he was really in an awful state his hands were shaking he's like, it's like been down in the sea on, on, on Christmas day and it's freezing he was in an office his hands were shaking mad and I said look I'll help you in every way he couldn't write my name down on my phone number I had to do it for him so I waited for just a couple of minutes to see to these start out. And then I went to where there was cars. There were passengers on the bus. The road. There was, there was. But it's awful. This is society. This is society. You know, this is what's happening. Not everyone. But, you know, just to witness this on a lovely casual day. And that bugged me the whole day long. See, that's completely, that's 100% indefensible. You, there is no defence to that action. None. Exactly. He left the car. The minute he opened the door, if he's driver's side of the car, he was the aggressor. He left it. He left the car, went back to the bus with aggression, obviously, with aggression. You are the instigator of what's going to happen next. What is it? With the, why is this, the why is there so the much bus. anger? I mean, this, like, would, would you think that public servants driving public transport put up an awful lot with, with this kind of stuff? They or? do. They do. Like, I, I was, I was in, uh, in Crow Park there recently. I went up by train my first time, first experience after a long time. And what I saw, Nile coming down in, in the Lewis was, I said, I'm in the wrong place. Yeah, the Lewis is the it, Badlands, it, it, like, isn't it? Oh, my, well, I've never been on it, but, like, it, it, it was stopping in Smithfield, and, it, you know, it moved bits forward and things yeah. like that. And just looked behind me, and there was two people sitting in, in, in the seat, 
behind me. I was standing, and a girl and a fella, and the other one injecting, and they were taking stuff. They were taking gear and, and paper. They didn't know the paper. I said, I'm in the wrong place. I'm in totally in the wrong place. No, you're not. You're in Ireland 2024. That's where you're at. Which show? I say, you don't see these every day, but when you witness it, it's like you, you know, you just sit down and sit. That poor, bus, that poor bus driver, I wonder, did he continue on his route or, or, or what? I, yeah, well, I had to leave because I was blocking traffic, uh, but I did suggest to him that he should, he should form, I, I support him 100%. Okay, I, so I, did with, you get the reg? I didn't because there was cars on the side of my car, to see, so I couldn't see the car just but the bus would get the reg because the bus has front oh, and back cameras. Would. Yeah, the bus would like you know, but it's like to witness it is the big thing. Witness it, and he was so distraught. You know, this is it's, it's in the cons. This something like this happened to me years and years ago inside in town. Really, and to tell you how long ago it was it was a time that that you could park in um, Grand Parade. Do you know? Tell you yeah, yeah. There was a centre spine. Office, you could park in the centre spine. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I went into town with my wife and my my son. And he was in the buggy, and um, uh, I was attacked. Three fellas attacked me, and I got a kick into the into the, the left hand. I had to have procedures after with it, and I warned him. I said, "Just go away and leave me alone, or you'll suffer." And one of them did. He followed me the whole length of, of Patrick Street, and there's always honest people and good people out. Around the corner came from a merchant's key was a guard car with sirens on. And I ran out in the road. This guy was still beside me. I ran out in the road and he said, is it you? I said, "Tis." He was arrested, your man. He went to court in a period of time later. I think he got 10 months. He was fined. Never did one second. You mean the 10 Ten months dollars. was 10 months suspended, is it? No, no. Oh, he got 10 months, but he was never, he was never brought to prison. He was never taken to prison. Yeah. And this was a completely unprovoked attack. You were with your oh, wife and child. It was, a, it was a Saturday morning, going in, booking a holiday. That's what we were doing. And I've always been thinking with my wife, if someone happens, if you see me doing something differently, just go walk straight ahead. Don't follow me. I just have this. Mm. And, and it still affects me. That was it. Yeah, but like it's, it's happening all the time. Like the, the, the drugs and double two witnesses, it's awful. Yeah, you know, like, right. would, I, would I go again up there? Would I go into the Lewis? No. Not a hope. There was eight security staff came off the Lewis at at Wynn's Hotel. There was no one on the Lewis heading out to uh, to the rail station, the main rail station. None. None. No. Eight of them came off. Do you remember that? Eight came off. There was none afterwards. So they actually no are policing out. the Lewis, are they, in some way, shape, or form? Yes, normally. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Policing it. There was, there was no one on us. We'll get back to the to, to, to the guy in 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 in, in the in the bus. Um, like I would love to meet him. I you know I would love to go in there and support him one hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I, I, we'll contact Capwell and see if they are. I'd be very surprised if they weren't pursuing this uh, matter with Angarda Shikona yeah. because your man needs to be brought before the courts. You know, he needs yeah, to be, yeah. exactly, he needs to be held to account. Yeah. All right, okay, yeah. listen, thanks for that, Sean, appreciate it. There's no problem, thank Take you, care you're very good. So that's the story regarding uh, bus drivers. Of course, we started the week actually talking about a taxi driver with these characters who got into the car and they had them driving from A to B to C and they were going in and out of different houses and they ended up way out outside of the city and uh, then they turned at him and uh, one of them had a knife he put up his hand to defend them trying to get the knife away and the knife ended up slashing his entire 
hand, the palm of his hand. Of course, they kicked him out. Uh, he was left on the side of the road, the taxi driver, and off they went in the taxi. Uh, and that was uh, last weekend. This is Friday morning, so there's a bit of water under the bridge since. I'm just wondering, firstly, how the taxi driver is doing. Uh, and clearly, we're not going to give out any information regarding him because he's a private individual going about his life. And secondly, whether or not the taxi was ever discovered. It's always important to update on stories. So Bobby Lynch from the Cork Taxi Council is back again. Bobby, good morning. Come on, man. Any, any, up, any update? No, he's still uh, still uh, bad news. His uh, car can't be found. I, I don't think it will be found. Then, you know, it's almost a week now. And uh, there's, there's no sign of it. So. Yeah, you would, you would, you, I'm just, you would think, I'm just, um, you would think at some stage, but like I, I spoke with a woman whose car was robbed on Sunday, a young girl, first yeah. year college student, robbed on Sunday, found on Wednesday, burnt out. The taxi driver yeah. is a 171, um, as you were telling us. What, what kind of a, what kind of a car was that again? I, I can't, I don't recall. She's an Avensis. She's a 172 Toyota Avensis. Dark, dark Why do you say yeah. that it, you think that it will never be found? Well, like, uh, surely we'd have got someone came across it somewhere if it was packed up somewhere, you know? Yeah, I know. Like, there's a lot of people out looking and it can't be found. If it was, if it was indoors or what, I, we, we don't know, you know? But yeah. it's, the yeah. girls are doing that, like, and they're, they're in touch, in touch with them and, like, uh, I, I think, no, the, the car was the least of his worries. Oh, I know, and I, want to, I was going to yeah. ask you, how was he coping? Uh, yeah, he's all right, he's all right, man. He's, he's all right, you know, but, uh, like, uh, I used to be just probably, like, I guess, uh, a couple of flashbacks there, right? Like, uh, and they'd be thinking uh, the worst all the time, you know? Of course, you would be thinking that way, really. like. Well, the knife in the hands of an individual uh, like this, yeah. anything can happen. He's a, and, but also, notwithstanding, he's also denied his livelihood and his ability to go to work. Well, he is, and then again, like, it doesn't matter what, what happens. The NTA have restrictions that they, they, they won't. They won't help no one, and it's, it's like their the, the leg is up on top of them all the time, keeping them down. What do you make of the the story there of somebody punching the bus driver through the window? I didn't, of the bu- I didn't, I didn't hear, I didn't hear that. But like the bus drivers are, are, are the same as us. They like they they, they, they have no respect either. Like they they. they People are, are doing desperate things to them as well, like, and, like, why, why we need bus drivers and my taxi drivers need, like, things like that. We, we need, need the judges and whoever we to give out stuff for sentences and, and not give them fellas suspended sentences and sending them off because oh god look at that poor lad. No. Well, here, here we are in a, in a time where some people are spitting at guards. They're uh, yeah. mugging taxi drivers and they're sm- <laughs> they're punching yeah. bus drivers into the face. Yeah. And they're fighting inside and told you on the day and everything. And they're like, they're like, the people are saying, oh, like, we have a lovely city. There's no doubt there. But there's no one looking out for a lovely city. It isn't the girls, right? The girls just haven't there. But unfortunately, it's like us on a Saturday night. No need. They're saying there's a shower, there's a taxi on a Saturday night. No, 
when they were released they went to the street at 2 o'clock in the morning coming around 4 o'clock 20 past 4 we're all packed up everyone has gone home now we're after doing a good job because we're taking people home that never got a taxi I know that Bobby but an awful lot I mean I don't yeah. to dwell on this point but an awful lot of taxis never came back tonight after Covid they just oh, they, oh, they, they, they didn't and it's about time now about time now that the NTA sat down with us and listened to us there's a, there's a lot of lads out there that died over COVID. We had Paddy Hussey, another few of them, my Jesus, we got the fight of our life. Yeah. And like, like the, 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 their plates are, are gone as well. Yeah, yeah. No, they, no, the DNT are destroying all types of transport, not just the taxis, they're destroying every type of transport. And like, and the big finiters are pushed by clearing on in. Mm. I mean, we was all, all that money. They're putting more money into push by clearings up and down the country. Big time, and who and the hell is using them? And we, 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 we have people sleep on the streets, and we have taxi drivers and bus drivers and everyone getting getting the assaulted, getting robbed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. It's, it's, why, why don't they do something and, uh, and do something good for once? Okay, I just wanted to touch base to see if there was any updates he, on it, unfortunately. He, 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 my, my son is Liam now at the moment. Like, Liam, I say Liam was still in the state of shock. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, pass on our everybody's kind regards to him. Will I, you, to him I, and his I family. Did, and, yeah, and he knows I get out of Chino, Australia. All right. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Bobby Lynch in the Cork Taxi Council. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I was in town yesterday, actually. Um, I was uh, knocking around. Actually, you know where I was for the very first time in my life? Because I'd heard an awful lot about it there recently, end of late, as the villa says. I've heard a lot about Fellini's, the cafe down on uh, Carey's Lane. So I went in the yesterday with my wife for a spot of lunch. It's a great spot. Uh, it's part of the old pavilion. I'm not quite sure exactly what part of it, uh, down the right-hand side of the old pavilion. But when you look, when you're sitting in Fellini's and you look at the roof, you see the beautiful, ornate plasterwork of the original pavilion but it's a great spot for a kick-ass sandwich and a bowl of soup and it, you know it ran about 20 past one yesterday there wasn't a table to be had but wonderful staff and really great great food I'm glad I got in there because um, it, it holds the claim as Ireland's oldest cafe doesn't say how old. I mean, people are speculating maybe the back end of the 80s. I'm open to correction on that. And uh, a little bit of time then, so I had an old browse around Golden Discs. I don't know if you've been in Golden Discs recently. you got all of your CDs downstairs. you got all your box sets and your DVDs. But the entire upstairs of Golden Discs, which is another part of the old pavilion cinema as well, it's completely and exclusively vinyl. If you're into vinyl or old, you know, records, which are made a huge big comeback, albums that is, then it's certainly a place if you love your vinyl or you love your music, it's well worth checking out because there's some great stuff up there from all generations, all the way back. You know, they got uh, special offers on the uh, on the Beatles' Red Album, got special offers on the Beatles' Blue Album. Uh, I actually picked up a triple album of Rory Gallagher live 1990 
in London. It's a triple album uh, gig and it's fantastic. I think I paid 40 euro for it for a, a triple album with all of the booklets that comes with it. It's just a beautiful, you know, the whole idea of albums is just, a, it's almost like a ritual, isn't it? You're buying it, unwrapping it, studying it, putting on the turntable and what have you. Uh, so that was my visit to town yesterday. Some people were watching the uh, primetime show last night on the event centre. Don't get me started. Uh, and Mike said, hope all's well with you. Just watched the primetime uh, event centre programme last night regarding Live Nation. Can I remind you that Live Nation is a private company. It had net income of £916 million for nine months up to September of 2023. Now, this is net income. This isn't the gross. This is the net. So just under a billion net income for nine months up to September of 2023. Why, oh why, are we subsidising a private company? Um, they also own the Three Arena. Uh, it is a private and a highly profitable company. Why is Cork City Council giving taxpayers' money to an American private company with little or no input or control for something that we do not own even a portion of? Uh, that's uh, Live Nation. And of course, it's a very, very valid question. Back after the break. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show so those on of you Red FM. They were asking about an update regarding the taxi driver. Mary Jane was amongst them. That's the update. No update as such. The convention centre is an eye-opener to the future pre-election promises we're going to get. BAM have been running rings around this government. They can see what they don't have. They can see that they don't have any experience to see in dealing with a company like BAM who operate quite well across Europe, as in... Um, you know, Cork City Council or the Irish government are out of their league. That was a very funny text. I'm sure that Tommy Gould won't mind it. He was on the air with me earlier in the week, uh, Northside Sinn Féin TD, talking about, firstly about um, Super Value Parky Cueve and then also about the Convention Centre, Conference Centre. Somebody says, if Tommy Gould won the lotto, he'd complain about going to Dublin to collect the winnings. <laughs> Typical Sinn Féin jumping on the bandwagon. <laughs> You complain about going to Dublin to collect the winnings. So thank you for that. Also for people who got in touch to wish Pat the Piper uh, all the best, considering that he was 80 years young uh, last weekend and did a big party, some lovely texts about him. And then people talking about businesses that they'd bring back. I was asking you if you had a crystal ball or a magic wand because Woolworths is coming back to the UK. What would you bring back? It's a great response to that over the week, incidentally. Ginny says, O'Donovan's on Princess Street, Malloy's and Drummy's Shoe Shop and the Old Bridge Tavern and the Tivoli Restaurants. There was also a great takeaway near Barrick Street, the Yangtze River, says Ginny. I remember it well. I remember all of those places you mentioned fondly. Haddon's Chipper at the start of Blarney Street was the best in Cork ever. Long gone, unfortunately. And somebody says, my first job was in Rocha stores in 1994. I remember my first time going into Matty Kiley's for a fish supper and saying, I hope he don't wrap my chips in the evening echo. Maybe that's how they were the best chips in Cork. Well, I ate in Matty's many, many times during the year. I mean, many, many times. And I don't recall ever uh, Matty Kiley wrapping my chips or my burger or my fish and chips in newspaper. It was always white paper, I remember. Uh, white paper. But anyway, I'm open to question on that. Text 0868104106 to the phone lines. Mark, good morning. Hi, Neil. How's it going? Just, good. Just picking up on Sean's conversation and indeed Kevin's contribution and the smacking in the head of the bus driver. What have you got for me? Neil, I'll be honest with you, I was there yesterday and I was down by the mail bike at about 11, 5 past 11, with my wife and my two-year-old child, she was pushing a buggy. We were coming out of a hospital appointment in the Arnville, 
and we were walking up just by the cricket club there. Yeah. It was about 11 o'clock, and you know, there's an entrance there uh, who brings you across the footbridge by the skate park around by the brewery. And you end up on the North Mall. It's a lovely walk, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, there was this chap, right? Now, he obviously didn't see me because I was closest in by the hedge. He popped out of the hedge because the footpath was coming to an end. There was a white van there, right? So he obviously seen my wife at the choice. But when he seen me then, he put his hand down his pants and he pulled out a blade about six and a half, seven inches, right? What? So I said to my wife straight away, I goes, get out onto the road, get out onto the road. So we got out onto the road anywhere. I went out onto the road myself with her. He then proceeded to walk around the boy van. No, he followed us up the Merwick walkway where our car was parked. But there was a load of people around. And the knife was still visible in his hand. And then he spotted the car. I won't give the maker the car, I don't know what to call up, but he spotted the car. And he took the car. Took and it? Basically, he, he robbed the car. And basically then, first thing I done then is I rang... The GRB. Oh, well, at one stage, be, when he takes the knife out, the seven-inch blade in it, and you're shouting to the wife and that, you put your car keys between your knuckles for protection. Is that right? That's a clever thing to correct, do. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's correct, okay. yeah. I put my car keys in between my knuckles for protection. But as I as we were walking up the mailbike, I had my back turned to my wife, and I said, if something happens, just go. There was a lot of people around. So I was walking backwards, looking at this individual, in case he made a run to try to stab us or rob us. Good God. And, Did he uh, say anything? He Did he say anything up. during all of this? He said nothing. He didn't do up in his mouth. No, to be fair, Neil, he was out of his head and that's not giving him an excuse. I know. But like, Park is a lovely place and that's a lovely area to go walk in and I often walk my dog down around there. I often but cycle there. Of, I love it up there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's lovely. Like, but like, it's, this is at 11 o'clock, 5 past 11 in the morning, like, and you're not safe in your own city, like, you know? And to be honest with you, you know, Neil, there's a lot of, I, I don't know how to say it, like, there would be a lot of misfortunate people down there living in tents yeah. and stuff, and yeah. you have the same in community. And that's another failure on the Irish government. And I'm listening there, the, that TD, Tommy Gould, there, and he's on about X, Y, and Z. But, like, there's nothing being done from it, from the council. No, I will say this one thing. I'd like to take my hat off to the GRD because straight away, the minute I made the call, about 20 minutes later, a member of Angarda Shikana rang me looking for a more detailed description and they said, we're on it. We have a load of chaos in the vicinity and we have two way out to respond to it's the fact that there's a knife involved. Of course. So yeah. I'd, like to credit, I'd like to credit the GRD deal on that one because... Do you think he had mental health issues or do you think he wanted to rob you or what like? I mean, I'd say, no, Neil, to be honest, I'd say he was just looking for a bit of fast cash and I'd say he seen my wife with the buggy as oh, an easy target. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then when he seen me, the knife came out. So she must have got an awful fright. I know you did. And it was that your child was with you as well? Yeah, I had a two-year-old in the buggy. My wife was pushing the buggy. So sorry for that to happen. It's a terrible thing. I uh, well, look, Neil, Neil, to be honest, look, this is unfortunately, this is this, this is the life we're living in at the moment. We are just not safe in your own city. And trust me, I'm, I love Cork. I'm living in Cork all my life. Yeah, yeah. But, like, when it's not safe to walk down the street, and I've seen incidents happening down, down through the years yeah, myself. Yeah. Just getting you know worse, what, man. Just getting worse. That individual needs to be taken out of circulation, though, because um, it could have been a hell of a lot worse, you know? 
It really could. Well, to be honest, with you, like me, what's going to happen? Him, he's going to be up in court. He's going to get us. He's going to get a slip up at the state. that's going to pay a fox. He's going to probably be granted free legal aid. If he gets a custodial sentence, he's going to live the life of Riley up in Cork Prison in a cell, watching Netflix, going to the gym or doing what he's doing. Yeah, or then you'd have his solicitor then, oh, my client is on, he's coming out of rehab, he's in hair points, and then you're trying to make the judge feel sorry for him. This is the problem with this country, Neil. It's the correctional facilities and stuff. Like, it's sort of entices you to go into prison because you can get a college education, you can do what you want. Like, at the end of the day, these people are here. They are there. These people are there. Or they do harm to people. No, unfortunately, we were lucky. An elderly man or an elderly woman walking up there with a pension or something or walking the dog. Well, held at knife point and robbed is a very traumatic event and it's not easy to come back from that. You don't have to be stabbed or maimed or injured, yeah. you know, for it to have a devastating effect on you. No, you don't. Yeah. No, to be fair, no, Neil, he said nothing to me and he said nothing to my wife, but the intent was there. Totally, yeah, totally. The and if you, if, you, if you hadn't been there, believe me, it would have been an awful lot worse. It would have been... And to be honest, Neil, I wasn't going to go out yesterday morning with my wife. I just said I would because yeah. my wife wouldn't have even... She wouldn't have even taken a pack of sense of that, like, you know? All right, my man. Sorry that happened, but thank you for sharing it. Um, much obliged to you. Sad, sad story. And make, sure, Neil, make sure, Neil, you pray at the girls for the thing because within 20 minutes, the girls rang me back and they were... Oh, no, well said, well said. Them. No, somebody like that with a seven-inch blade, of course, they would take that very seriously. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking the call. Much obliged. Text 0868104106. Back after 11. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Talking about people moving about and doing their own thing. I hope you might be able to assist me with a message on air. I don't usually do this unless there's a very good valid reason to help. My daughter lost her phone in a taxi in Cork City Saturday night, 27th, just gone. She is visiting from Australia and is flying back soon. There are voice recordings on the phone that are sadly not backed up and are a very sentimental value as, uh, as they are by my son, who had passed away and she has voice notes on her phone. Isn't that, isn't that one way it's so lovely and the other way it's so tragically sad. Um, and you can understand why she would love to get her phone back. Hopefully you might be able to put the message out that any taxi driver that found the phone in their car last Saturday night, Sunday morning, if they could drop the phone to Anglesey Street Garda Station. I know this is a long shot, Neil, for you to be able to do this, but we're desperate now for the phone to be recovered as it hasn't been handed in yet. So thanks in advance for any help you might be able to give us. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm giving that shout out now because of the fact that there are these very, very special voice recordings on it and it would lo- be lovely if our daughter could get the phone back before she heads back to Australia. Don't know if a taxi driver came across it, unfortunately. Um, it could have been taken by another passenger. I don't, I don't know. But if there's any way at all we could make this happen I think it would be a wonderful thing so um, indeed if you have it or you know of it text me and I'll let them know that at least text 0868104106 and in an effort to help people I'm sending you this email because I've just heard the news this morning from my father who rang me to say that my uncle has been wandering around again Uh, I say wandering around because my uncle is suffering from some sort of memory loss for some months now and this is the third time that he has left home and was found wandering around and then the guardie bring him back to my father's place. Uh, I'm currently living here in France and my father is the only remaining family member left back home. So I'm seeking help for him 
as it is, uh, as it, I'm, see- I'm seeking help from as it is, but it's not easy to be doing this on behalf of my uncle from overseas. So both my father and uncle are in their 80s. So as you can imagine, it's hard too for my father to be taking care of things. This time, though, some kind woman by the name of Linda was with my uncle near Blarney Street and alerted my father. I've no other information on the matter, but I would love to know and to say thank you to her, Linda. I'm just so glad that he didn't end up in a bad state or a bad encounter or anything happened to my uncle. So if Linda is listening to your show, then please let her know how grateful me and my father are for her care and understanding. It's comforting to know that there are people like her who show their kindness. I love listening to your show overseas, uh, says Kerry. Uh, By the way, I heard you say today that today is National Frank Day. My father's name is Frank, so happy Frank's Day to him. Thank you for that. Lovely to hear from you, Kerry. And well done, Linda, whoever you are. You made a family very happy and very grateful for your intervention. Pick up the phone, 0818104106. It all got ratified last night. Perhaps this will be the last word on it. It will now be known as Super Value Park Equive. But for many, it will always be Park Equive. And for others, it will be the park. So two weeks of intense and heated discussion, I suppose. A lot of it behind closed doors. Uh, Parky Queeve got its name changed. Seamus took to the streets of Cork on Wednesday for Corkonian's thoughts on it. Take the, the, as was take the mood and the temperature of the public regarding the name change. Grand, super, super value is a good business. But, like, should we be selling our naming rights yep. to other landmarks as well? Would you be happy now going up to Coke Zero Park, climbing the Hulk Hogan stand to collect Samson McGuire Cup? Like, how, where, where does it stop? They don't, they don't. It's our money now today, you know, like. They have a 30 million debt, so. But, like, the Super Value got it for small money, though, didn't they? Yeah, the, 250, the 3 million over 10 years, which is small money, but still. Do you think they should have held out for more money? Well, they, they should have, but uh, I don't think they would have got. Do you think they might invest a bit more and create a centre of excellence down there? They, 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 they have a good job, don't know, like uh, the plastic pitch down there and everything like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's great. It's great pitch. Yeah. So you as a Cork supporter have no problem with the would have been Super Value Park? No, no, no. It should be called after the GA, man. There'd be a lot of people turn away from the GA anyway over it. You think Cause so? Because it's all about money. What about the supporters? All their money will go up now and the tickets and everything. Have any thoughts on it really? Yeah. Like, how far should the, the GA go with naming rights? It'll always be Parky Weave. I think so, yeah. The irony is that the first game that's going to be played at Super Value Parky Weave is a rugby game on Saturday. Well, it's a good compromise anyway, but um, I'd have left it the way it was. Well, they are in debt, so they need to, to pay off that debt in some way. Yeah, but there may be better ways of doing it, I suppose. Look, I think the GA will sell their soul to the devil, and that's it. It's all about the dollar. Super value seem to have won out here. Yeah, look, super value have won, because every every person is talking about super value, you know, super value, super yeah. value. 
But that's why they do it. Yeah. Money well invested. We might as well, um, I suppose, rebrand uh, Centre Park Road now to Centre Park Road, or would it be a, Very good. a, a Centre of Excellence? There we go. I love it. Yeah. Anything's possible. It's awful. It's <laughs> grand. I prefer Parky Queen. Is it easier to say you're popping out Super Value now on a Sunday and go down and watch a match? We don't, we're not matchy people, never were. I would even turn on a match on the telly. What? I never did. And you're okay with the GAA selling the rights? Well, no. Hiya, yeah. bye. No, not really. Why not? No, because they're giving away everything, by. In the end of the day, we'll have nothing Irish. They'll do what they want to do. We won't have any saying if I didn't do it. I have a prepare Perky. He was always known as that, and he always will be. It's diluting everything pure about sport, but at the same time, most people will call it progress, but that's debatable. That's subjective. Seamus Whelan losing the plot. We go for a walk down Centra Park Road and end up down at Super Value Parky Creeve. <laughs> Actually, you talk about different iconic Cork locations. I came across a great article in Cork Bio that they clearly got from TripAdvisor talking about iconic Cork locations and um, where people went on TripAdvisor and left some of the weirdest reviews of Cork's famous attractions. So can I just give you a few of them here? Um, Cork is home to some of the finest attractions in the country, but for a few visitors, the Crawford Art Gallery is boring if you're not into paintings. <laughs> Shandon bells are only worth a visit if bell ringing tickles your fancy. And Charles Fort is all right if forts are your thing. Um, For others, of course, they just thought that the whole place just rained too much. But a quick look at the poor and terrible reviews reveals some hilarious and bizarre complaints, like the tourists displeased to encounter thick Cork accents when they come to Cork. Why don't they talk like us in Cork? Boy, like. An Australian visitor complained about the narrow stairs to reach the top of Blarney Castle with nothing to see on the way up. Perhaps they were expecting wallpaper or family photographs in the 500-year-old corridors or something. Perhaps they expected to see people still living in it. Meanwhile, a tourist from Tennessee was disappointed to find that there was no furniture left in Blarney Castle after several hundred years. It's not a very good castle, they said. It's empty inside. Another one or two then. The Blarney Stone actually has its own TripAdvisor profile. Um, why, what, what I hadn't really thought about was all of the other lips that had kissed this stone before me. It looked like it had been kissed by many because it was rather slimy looking. Bad weather upset quite a few tourists on Leaside over the years. One unhappy British visitor suffering a particularly rainy day on Cove's Spike Island. They said, it was August the 1st and we hadn't expected torrential downpours. We eventually make it back to Cove and spend the rest of the day trying to dry out our clothes. The Spike Spike Island team responded to that review. They took no prisoners on Spike. They said, you are not rating our site, but instead you are rating the weather on the day and your own failure to become prepared for it. (laughs) I love it. The English market got thousands and thousands of good reviews, but one said, yes, it's old. Yes, they sell everything, but it just seems to be a normal market in a nice building. And there was more. 
St. Vinbar's Cathedral, a 150-year-old three-spire church in the city centre standing on the religious site that goes back to the 7th century and St. Finbar himself. Not much to see, full stop. Not much to see. Uh, Rory Gallagher's grave at St. Oliver's Cemetery was said to be, while it's scenic and peaceful, it's really just a graveyard. What did you expect? Incidentally, Rory Gallagher's grave has the most beautiful, beautiful headstone, which they never remarked on. And then finally, one disappointed visitor to the ruins of the Royal Gunpowder Mills out in Balancholic succinctly summed up the very concept of history by saying, this ruins of a 19th century gunpowder mill has almost nothing of interest to offer other than the fact that it was once there. I mean, do people really plan trips abroad based on the comments that people leave on TripAdvisor? I I would suggest on the basis of that alone is to read the negative reviews, then flip them to think the complete opposite and go to the place yourself. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. And it's uh, a National Frank Day today. Big shout out to Frank Long, our main road sweeper on the North Main Street. He has a heart of gold. Happy Frank Day today to Frank Long. Somebody is asking the question there, um, do I... <laughs> Do I get paid for advertising restaurants, takeaways and cork businesses during my broadcast? Um, Prendival is always doing it. How much does he get paid? Oh, yeah. Every time I mention a restaurant or a business in Cork or talk about how much I love the city or going into different places, I get a, I get a wad of cash delivered in a brown envelope. Not. No. I do it for love. That's all. I don't get anything for it. I hope that answers your question. Anyway, keep those texts coming. And indeed, those questions, wacky and all, as some of them are. Text 0868104106. Can I just, I have a whole load of businesses here that I want to come back to because we had a great response to, if you had a magic wand, considering uh, Woolworths is coming back in the UK, what businesses you'd bring back. Can I just go back to the primary school? Um, there was, um, they've had to apologise in the schools. A guest speaker launched into a tirade against um, uh, what they called things like gender benders. Questioned Ireland. This is from the the podium at this out in Gwale School in Cork, where they were giving some. Um, you know, they were the guest speaker. I suppose. I guess nobody knew in advance what this guest speaker was going to say. Um, supposed to be a mass celebrating grandparents and the connection between grandparents and their and their grandchildren and what have you. Uh, it was done in the church in Wilton by the primary school Gwales called Uriada in Cork so it was in a church so anyway um, the comments have caused an awful lot of upset they're saying I'm reading from the examiner this morning and it ruined what was otherwise an otherwise lovely event so the lay guest speaker laid into gender benders questioned Ireland's choice of a non-binary artist to represent Ireland in Eurovision um, went on then in a 20 minute address during which he said that society is falling apart and that some people have used divorce to manage the chaos in their lives, criticised homosexuality, highly critical of Ireland's choice of Bambi Thug for Eurovision, using the phrase gender benders. Several adults walked out during the protest. Um, I think then, subsequent to that, 
the principal apologised to those that were there and to the community at large and said, as you're aware, a person not associated with the school was given the opportunity to address the congregation during the Mass. Now, on that, uh, my 79-year-old mother, Neil, was there for the grandparents' Mass on Tuesday. She said that people were in disbelief first when he started speaking, but then people were shouting around him and at him to shut up, and a lot got up and walked out. Not one person agreed with his views and were absolutely horrified. The principal immediately came on the stage and apologised profusely and said that the person did not represent the school and certainly he didn't agree with his opinion. It's such a pity as the school had put a lot of effort in and a lot of children of primary school age heard what was said. Now it's bizarre um, you would have somebody that would be invited, I suppose, to be the guest speaker and I suppose with guest speakers, you never really know what a guest speaker is going to say. It's not as if those organising an event will ask to see the notes. So I can understand that the principal apologised profusely and they were probably mortified as to what was being said. We don't know uh, who the guest speaker was. Uh, and I, I'm kind of OK with that. I think that in the world we live in now, if we did know who the individual was, my God, you can imagine people turning on that individual big time, I suppose. But but not everybody. Richie says that these issues will become spoken of more and more. But isn't it very interesting to see how tolerant, in inverted commas, we've become, become to the opinions of others in the sense that, OK, there might be a controversy surrounding the speaker at the school event. Um, but surely we should have space for all opinions regarding contentious issues including whatever the speaker had to say. Now, that's fair enough, but I believe there's probably a time and a place for those kind of conversations, Richie, for sure. But a grandparent's mass, is that really where it should be happening? Opinions should be welcome, but they need to be respectful. And I guess using terms like gender benders is certainly disrespectful. You may not agree with other people's sexuality, but putting names and name-calling on them, I think, is a step too far. Now, I'm due to talk to Jen Bowler, uh, one half of Sparkle the Band. Jen's in a relationship with Caroline. She's a gay woman. Um, I'm just curious, because I know they're opening their own brand-new uh, club, actually, down on Oliver Plunkett Street. So more on that in a couple of seconds. But, Jen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm not catching you by surprise on this one, am I? Um, well, to be honest, I didn't know much about it. Um, I heard about it this morning, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not a bit impressed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 2024, Neil. Do you know what I mean? Like, and like, even what you were saying there, the reaction from the crowd itself says enough, really. Like, it's, it's a handful of people with the mindsets like this are kind of, you know, ruining it for everyone else. But um, look, you can't. You, everyone's like their opinions too, you know. But, but again, not, but like, I, I mean, and I suppose there's not nothing... in that kind of situation. Not in that situation. And there's nothing wrong with no. opinions as such, uh, but the opinion mm-hmm. must be in a respectful way, in terminology like, like those terms no. like gender there's, bender. There's and no excuse for that. Are you surprised at the reaction to Bambi Thug? Um, <laughs> the, uh, I mean, I don't know how I would call this. I would say that maybe 70-30, 70 as in love it, love her, love they, them, mm-hmm. great song. But 30% or there or thereabouts are quite negative and some of them quite vicious. Much of the comments I can't broadcast. 
Yeah, you know what, Neil? Like, obviously, we're opening vibe there at the weekend, and you know, there's been write ups and stuff um, online and on, on the internet and stuff during the week, and I've gotten so much abuse, um, so many horrible comments, so much. You know, like I, I really, I suppose I haven't put myself in the face of the gay community in a long time, just because I've been working so much every weekend. I haven't been out and stuff, but like, you know, homophobia is alive and well, and um, I suppose that that was the whole point of me trying to open vibe, so we had somewhere safe and fun to go to, and you know that like we'd have, be around like-minded people that I know that I know, other, and I'll develop you know, that I will talk about exciting. that in a second you say homophobia is alive and well it, but wait a second mm. it, it would appear to be alive and well behind the anonymity of a keyboard but in is is that reflecting that that that, that, that it's alive and well generally homophobia or or, or what <laughs> Well, to be honest, I really didn't expect the kind of comments and stuff I was getting on the post, you know, um, just really disrespectful comments that, you know, just weren't necessary. Again, like you, you can kind of say the comments you guys, just like comments that just mean nothing and just people, like you said, sitting at home bored saying all these horrible things. I'd love to come meet some of these people face to face and have a chat with them and see what their actual issue is, you know. Um, but in, in referral to Bambi, like, they're going to do so good. They're going to do Ireland so proud um, for, with the 70, 80, 90% of us that are behind them, like, you know, I think they're going to do so well, you know. Are, are people entitled not to use the pronouns, though? I, I used the pronouns yesterday, they and them, when it was required with Bambi. Incidentally, mm-hmm. I really like the girl. I really like them. I've made the mistake. Uh, my apologies for that. But others are saying that, that I'm just signing up to something that, you know, is not acceptable, you know, and, and that I should cop myself on. Mm-hmm. Again, you see, there's a handful of these kind of people that just think, like, I mean, look at everything, you know, there were different rules for different things years ago too and all of those things have evolved into, you know, how things actually should be, you know, and I I do think change is hard for some people, but they're going to have to try and get on board with this, like, you know, mm. it's um it, it's happening and it's it's now and, like, yeah, they okay. can't really do anything about it, okay. like, you know. Okay, what, what happened with, what happened with Chambers? Um, I don't know too much in detail. I, like, I suppose well, one day, one day it was there and it was um, a hub for the LGBTQ. Um, and then there was something to do with Freshers Week where it was to be given over for a period of time. Um, the rainbow colours came down. All of the signage for the gay community came down. People freaked yeah. out. Boycotted the mm-hmm. venue? Yeah. yeah. Did it ever reopen? Um, I think it tried maybe for one or two weekends, but it didn't work out. Um, so I think that's barely six months going out at this stage. That's but, right. Um, so it, it, did, it did attempt to reopen, but the gay gay community weren't interested in going through the doors, is it? Uh, yeah, basically just because of what had happened, okay. you know. Um, I suppose and that was all, my whole thing. Like I wanted to do this for years. I wanted to open a gay bar for, for years. But um, I suppose the opportunity just kind of happened like in the last week or so and like it's full force now. We're going for it and it's a permanent gay bar. It won't be going anywhere. There'll be no flags taken down or no art taken off the wall. It's, so this you know, is Paul Montgomery's pub, Conway's Yard. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's like going to be managed and run by myself but it's backed by Paul Montgomery, yeah. So the Clancy's group. Okay, okay. So it's not a pop-up. It's not as if you go in and do events. It is no. Chambers Mark II, if you like. Well, no, it's definitely not that, but it's it's definitely vibe and it's a brand new club. And no, I know, I, I, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying, yeah. but look, I, I, we're going to move on from that name. Like, and, um, yeah, no, I, no it's called thing. vibe. I miss, I'm, you know, I, yeah. maybe I, I yeah. didn't make it clear enough. It is, it is yeah. to fill the void, if you like. 
Exactly. There's nowhere for the community to go. There's actually not one gay bar in Munster at the minute, Neil. Not one. There's why one do in we, why do we need, So why do we need a, a, a gay bar at all? Why can't we all just hang out together? Um, I suppose, again, because of the, the handful of people that make people feel, you know, especially, like, let's say, with transgender issues, you know, there's been lots of kind of hate and things coming in that way. Um, and again, with, um, you know, they, them, the pronoun, people don't, they're either not educated about it or they just don't want to know. Um, but again, I would be happy to sit down with anyone and talk to them through what they don't understand so they wouldn't be as ignorant, you know what I mean? Um but yeah, overall, look, it's it's a nice safe place for people to come out. Like coming out isn't easy. They're nearly you know it's it's very hard and it's still very hard in 2024. Um, so it's just nice to be in a group. Why is where, it hard in 2024? You know, it's hard to understand that, isn't it? If you said 1984, it's say something. Mm, mm, but again, like look at the comments online. Look at the comments you can't talk about. You know look at the abuse we're getting online um, just for being ourselves, like, you know what I mean? It's That's what I'm saying, like, it's people don't feel safe, people don't feel like they've um, a place to go, like, I, like even if myself and Caroline went out to a pub and stuff I wouldn't feel that comfortable, you know, giving her a kiss in public and stuff like that, you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. you like, you know, let's say there was a group of lads there and they were watching a match or something, do you know what I mean? Like, there would be comments thrown or there'd be something so, like, it's nice to have somewhere to go What about, what about overseas? I've seen, I've seen same-sex couples kissing overseas, holding hands, very 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 affectionate and in, in public and it doesn't seem to bother anybody have you have you had that same experience um, well I suppose when we go over we go over to Ranclaria and that's like a massive kind of gay um, what would you call it venue uh, or not venue but um, area we go to um, over to Aspilomas there they kind of run gay pride events all the time so over there is nice and comfortable again but again when I was sitting over there last November with my friends and we were, like most of my friends are gay um, like we were like this is so unreal why can't we have something like this in Cork and I literally have been working on it in the back of my mind since then because I was like okay I'm going to have to do this because like there's nothing happening there's nowhere to go and I want somewhere safe and fun for everyone to go to. Yeah, you know? and, and, and w- would that safety aspect be particularly important to drag or trans? Uh, well, I think to anyone, like, you know, I, I know a friend of mine there had something happen a couple of months ago where it was a homophobic attack and they were called all sorts of names and literally assaulted, like, you know, and that was a, a girl I know, so it's not just trans or homophobic people, or sorry, not trans, um, gender, or what was the other word you said there? I thought, so it's, trans it's or drag? Like, Sorry, drag. Yeah, that it's not just that. Like, it's the whole community are getting it. You know, mm, okay. um, that's why we have pride. That's why we have groups. That's why we have support. It's not that we're imagining all this and we're just. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, it's okay. a real. It's a real issue. You know. Okay. So nervous times for you. Uh, doors open tomorrow night. Uh, Saturday night now, so Saturday night at 8 o'clock and Sunday night at 8 o'clock. Um, but no, not nervous times, I'm really excited. Um, I think it'll be great. I've had a great kind of feedback from Instagram and Facebook and all the, the rest. So um, it, it's a long time coming, you know, there's nowhere, like everyone's looking for a nice space to go to and I'm really running wild here all week trying to get it together and get it, you know, nice looking and decorated and painted and the whole lot. What's um, the, okay, what's the, what's the, uh, I hope the paint will be dry on time here, eh? I know, yeah. <laughs> So are you going to put on um, entertainment? Yeah, yeah, I have a full weekend lined up there now. So I have drag queens, I have singers, I have saxophone players, DJs. Um, there's loads on all the information on our socials there if you want to check out Vibe Cork on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you want to email us as well, it's info at corkvibe.com. But um, yeah, there's loads on, Neil. So doors are 8, Saturday and Sunday. And come on away and we're open till half two as well. So it's a late night venue. Go for um, it. Go so for yeah. it. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Regards welcome. to you, regards to, uh, to Caroline. And uh, don't be a stranger. I wish you well from tomorrow night. Look after yourself, Jen. Take care. Thanks so much. Nice to talk to you. Have a good weekend. Bye.
Call Neil now. 0818 The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Abby Lee's in studio this morning to play us out as we do every single Friday with guitarist Leon Pino um, and we will talk with them and hear a good tune from them just before midday today. But it being Friday, actually any day, I love a good story and a good yarn any day of the week, but I particularly love them on Friday. We all know of the Acton family down in Kinsale. Adrian Acton is a member of that family and of course a much respected family for many, many hundreds of years and in Kinsale and Adrian joins me by phone. Adrian, good morning. Good morning. How are you? But First of all, let me apologise for the croaky voice. You have a like lovely voice. Give me a break. There's nothing I wrong have, with it. Like half of cock, I have a cold. So right. forgive me. Your grand girl. But it's not, going to, it's not going to impact on one hell of a story, I hope. It's not going to impact on this at all. And it's an extraordinary tale. And, you know, over the years I've written so many stories. But I couldn't have come up with this one. And this is the one that's true. So this goes back to your great-granduncle, fellow by the name of Robert Acton, who obviously was born in Kinsale. He went to what would have been Queen's University, now UCC. What did he study? Well, he well, first of all, he was he was born in Kinsale in the eighteen sixties, and um, and that wasn't that long after the famine, as you know. Um, and Kinsale was starting to prosper again, but he, having studied in Queens, as you say, UCC, he studied medicine, and he did two years there, and we found all his paperwork in the UCC archives, and he went from there then to Harvard University to carry on his studies. Now, he also played football with Harvard. In Boston. And yeah. he was on, yeah. In, yeah, and he was on their rowing team. And he was adored by everyone. And his nickname was Hercules. He was six foot two, which was a fine stand of a man in the 1800s, as you can imagine. Yeah. Broad shouldered and intelligent and witty. And, um, you know, lo- everybody was mad about him. And he did very well in sports and academia. And then he went on to Vanderbilt University to finish his studies, where he coached the uh, rugby team there for three seasons. He ultimately became the resident physician at Blackwell Island Mental Asylum. He did indeed. He started a practice in Lexington Avenue and he became the resident physician out there. Now that's called Roosevelt Island now. And it was a rotten place for women, you know, women of disrepute and God help us cases and what have you. But he was wonderful with regard Roosevelt to Island where? people who, in New York, sorry. New oh York my Harvard. God, you're not going to believe that. I was there in December. <gasps> on Roosevelt Island and I was at that mental asylum. Would you believe it? I was there. We we have to have coffee and discuss all this. Tis, tis was like, yes, and it was Blackwell Island back then and um, an awful place. Awful place. And awful. awful. And he had... Now, I found him on the New York City payroll as the resident physician. You see, okay. the thing is, is when you're doing research, research like this, which is over 100 years old, you make the mistake of looking at the newspapers and, you know, there's a lot of mistakes and you have what I would call the old version of copy and paste. You find a mistake in one okay. newspaper and then it is carried on. Well, let's the, not worry of that with regards to the time constraints we have right now. But it did end... Oh, so okay. that was... My apologies, my apologies. We'll drive yeah. on. But within... within an, So he, he fell in love and married, did he? Well, myself and my also Robert, my cousin Robert, we can't find the marriage cert, but apparently he married this woman, and for the purposes of this story, let's call her Grace. 
and within nine months, Robert was dead of a supposed morphine overdose. Now, on the night he died, a doctor down down the road on Lexington Avenue was called a Dr. Goodman, and he came up, and she was thrown on the floor hysterical. The wife. The wife, the lovely Grace. Grace. Yeah. And um, she said that he had been on a drinking binge for four days, and he had overdosed on morphine. Now, he was taken to the local hospital, but he was uh, pronounced dead. There was no autopsy done, Neil, right? Mm. And this is the crux of our story. Mm. Because the lovely Grace turned up at Kinsale, can you believe it, not long after that, demanding the £500 that he had recently inherited. She turned up in Kinsale. So, she sailed in across Kinsale, the Atlantic. She, she yeah. did. We found her on, my cousin found her on the manifest uh, via Liverpool. And she arrived over demanding this money. And down to Kinsale. Brother David, down to Kinsale. And his brother David Howe, my great-grandfather, ran her out of town anyway. Really? They were having what? Yes. Give me a short story. What? But as a wife, though, was she not? I don't know. It's another story. Was she not entitled to it? Well, you see, we don't have the wedding cert paper. We don't have anything to say that they actually married. All right. Okay. So uh, they ran her out anyway, out of Kinsale. Okay. Yeah. They ran her out, and then she went on to marry by my account to husband number four. So she was married twice before Robert. Before before this. So husband number four, anyway, with the, who was, you know, wasn't short of a bob or two. She went on to shoot him dead. <laughs> Good God. Right? What? I'm not making any of this up. <laughs> she went on to shoot him dead. She gave herself a flesh wound, and then she set the house on fire to kill all the servants in their beds as, as well while she was at it. Mother of God. Now, the emergency services were called... I haven't given you the punchline yet now, so I hope you're sitting comfortably. Yeah. The emergency services were called and the fire was put out. Lo and behold, anyway, she died of her injuries, right? So she was lying in the morgue for four days. Her and the injuries? She came, um, was she caught in the fire or, or what? No, no, no. She had given herself what she thought would be a flesh wound, but she bled out by the time... So she died of the self-inflicted gunshot wound? She did. She did, eventually. Now, she lay in the morgue for four days. And while she was in the morgue, her family were contacted to come and, you know, retrieve this woman. And lo and behold, this man turned up from head to toe in furs with a girl with him. And he said, basically, who the hell is your one? This is my daughter, Grace, standing beside him. So she was an imposter on top of everything else. Explain that again. She lay in the morgue. The family turned up. <laughs> she lay in the morgue. The family she claimed to be from. She claimed to be from a very, very wealthy So, wasn't, so do we know who she was at all? We don't. And do we know what happened to the first two husbands before your granduncle Robert? The first, the first two husbands. Well, see, this is the this is the bit of the research that I'm currently looking at. Um. The two husbands survived, but their accounts of their marriages were kind of sketchy. And she had claimed to be from a very wealthy family, but she wouldn't introduce them to her family. And they always felt there was something very odd about her. But she um, she had claimed, yes. So, so are um, you endeavouring to find out now as to whether or not Robert did die of a supposed morphine overdose or whether she per- poisoned him? Absolutely. Now, according to the footballers that he would have been playing with at the time of his death, um, they said that absolutely he would not have committed suicide. He had everything to live for. He was extremely happy. The other twist on this is that the letters, we would have letters that he would have written home, you know, not long before his death. There is no mention of her 
good nor bad, up nor down. There's a great TV documentary in this. Do you hear me? I know there is, but your 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 producer will tell you in a minute my what response I got from our national broadcaster when I contacted them. It's a great story because you could trace it all the way from Kinsale to Boston to New York back to Kinsale. I mean, it's an incredible story. But you're... It's an incredible story. And you have to put everything you find through a sieve and, you know, remove innuendo and remove all the guesswork and everything and actually be able to say, you know, be able to back up everything you're saying. The RT um, had said to you, nobody would be interested in that. They said, and I quote, who'd care? Who'd care? Who'd care? Now, I, I was very polite. I didn't mention anything about the Montrose millionaires sticking their flip-flops. I didn't say anything nasty. <laughs> flip-flops. <laughs> no, I was very polite. I said, thank you so much for your time. And that was that. And I thought, go tell that to anybody now that nobody would have an interest in a murderess who may have put one of our own Cork doctors in her line of fire. I know, I know, I know. I know. And I'm afraid, you know, the, ca- the pages on my own calendar are whizzing by, Neil, and I'm afraid that the next generation mightn't have an interest. So I really do want to get something done with this because um, it's to try and find out who she is. She was eventually buried by the brother of husband number four as Mrs. Smith and with the date of death as 1907 but with no birth date. But here's another bit of the story. I have found a connection. I have found... Why would you pick a name to be an imposter of somebody who was alive at the time? No idea. I have no idea. And then I'm wondering, is there any way the family decided to disown her because they were looking at a suit for wrongful death? And of course, no, no, I'm like, where is Robert buried? He's in New York. He's in New York. I went to see him in the Bronx. Yeah. That was a hundred pounds, that grave. There. It's an no, I know. It's just way beyond autopsies now or checking for cause of death oh, or anything like that. Yeah. Completely. But I need I to know. find out this doctor. I mean, he decided there was no need for an autopsy based on the, the st- condition of grace, you know, thrown on the floor. On like the basis of what she said, yeah, I know. But subsequent yes, to no, that, no. She also said, yeah. and she said that he was on a four-day binger. Uh, which was completely out of character, not to mention the fact three days before I found him at a meeting for the Cork Men's Association in New York, not only present, Bizarre. but participating. You don't do that on day one. That's of an event. amazing story. You know, I'm, I'm out of time for now on this chapter of <gasps> the story. Um, I hope that there's more of them. I, 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 you may well be leaving stuff out, but I have to park for now. I'm happy to come back to it again at a later date. Yes. Um, but what yes. an incredible story. I think it would make great television, not necessarily RTE if they don't want it, but Netflix or someone like that. You know, and the credible yes. story well, of... Anybody, well, if anybody out there listening to this, you know, can right. help me with either knowing a producer or even a publisher, can I get all this written down? Totally. Um, and then yeah. I'd be delighted to hear from them. Okay. I'll be back in touch, Adrian Atkin. Thank you so much, Adrienne, putting together biographies of lots of members of the Acton family, but a particular interest in the late Robert Acton. Um, good way to finish up the week, lads, a story like that. And also for some live music, we've got Abby Lee in studio with the guitarist Leon Pino. Next, the Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. All right, last bit of business this morning. Abby Lee in studio with guitarist accompaniment uh, Leon Pino. And we'll chat a little bit afterwards the song, but this is Abby Lee's own composition called Company. So my job is to count you in one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Oh 
breaking through emotions this love i can take yeah baby hold my hand for you it's open don't make me wait for your touch what i've got will lift you up so let's just live now can we do this thing Cause who knows what tomorrow will bring When you look into my eyes Tell me, babe, what do you see? If you wanna pass the time Do it in my company, company Keep me company And I lose track of time Oh, yeah And I might as well floating oh you steal my mind mm. hold my hand for you it's open don't make me wait for your touch what i've got will lift you up so let's just live now can we do this thing Cause who knows what tomorrow will bring mm. When you look into my eyes Tell me, babe, what do you see? If you wanna pass the time Do it in my company, company Keep me company your energy it's only you been on my mind will you keep me company company keep me company mm-hmm. you sent me away away send me flying through emotions this love i can take yeah baby hold my hand for you it's open don't make me wait for your touch no what i've got will lift you up so let's just live now can we do this thing because who knows what tomorrow will bring When you look into my eyes, tell me, babe, what do you see? If you wanna pass the time, do it in my company, company. Keep me company. That's a smoky production, that is. Thanks so much. You Thank just you. raised the resale value of this programme to a whole new level. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, couldn't, so I couldn't help but thinking, because that's, that's an incredible production with a guitar. Yeah. Imagine what a full sound would be like. I know, actually, yeah. And there's no guitar in the song, actually. There's not. I was just going to say. Listen, man, your timing and your, and, your, and your accompaniment is incredible. Well done, Pino. I know, he's unbelievable. Like, we literally came up with this arrangement well, over the past couple... Well, you came up with the arrangement. 
rent what are we for the past. Yeah. So well, um, if you need me, I live just around the corner. <laughs> I might be calling on you again. You never know. So, like, did you guys? Did you do the Cork Academy of Music up in the Man? Was it? Yeah, yeah. we did. And you find you had something. Was it? You found yeah. you had the talent. And we like you kind of go in there with the love of music and wanting to do more and bring more out. And that's exactly what they do in there. This is what we get. Do you know then? what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the like the talent that comes out of that place is unbelievable. Do you know? Like that's where we met each other. Um, and we this kinda, is the proof yeah this, yeah, that's where we yeah. met each other about, it's about a year and a half ago wasn't it Leon yes um, we know but yeah like, great synergy between the two of you yeah, so are you doing stuff on Spotify have you got stuff up on I iTunes do, stuff? yeah I have um, like myself and Leon don't usually do things together but right now we're just starting out doing a couple of gigs acoustically but um, myself yeah I have uh, three songs out now on Spotify um, and my latest one is Company. You've got to get there. gigging though, big time. I, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know, I have to put myself out there more. Really That's my, my worst kind of thing, I'd say. This is, this is your career choice, like. <laughs> yeah. This is your calling. Yeah. I mean, so I say much. that for both of you yeah, because definitely. it's an incredible talent. Oh my God. I mean, every <laughs> single so week much. I get blown away, but something very different with you guys. Oh. <laughs> it's just wonderful. Thank you. That means a lot. Well, listen, look after yourselves. Enjoy. Any gigs this weekend? Um, not this weekend. Well, don't weekend, let that happen again. I know, I won't. <laughs> I do my best, but um, no, not this weekend. But anyway, I do kind of update on social media, you know, Instagram. Kinda Delighted whatever, you got in yeah. here. I'm expecting big things. I'll be keeping a close eye. Look after yourselves. <laughs> Abby so Lee in studio us. with the great Thank guitarist you. Leon Pino. My pleasure. So I'd be thanking you. Lads, that's it. Uh, a lot more to pick up on uh, on Tuesday because Monday's a bank holiday. So look after yourselves and I'll see you Tuesday. When court talks, car people blow my mind. They talk to Neil Prendeville on Red FM.